guys and girls, and welcome to episode 143 of the F Reality Podcast, your weekly deep dive into the latest BR news. This week, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation 5 event that took place on Thursday. We get a glimpse of multiplayer hand tracking on Oculus Quest. We'll be talking with our special guest, Chris Madsen, about using virtual reality for remote working and collaboration. And then finally, Zim has got some releases for you to look forward to next week. But now it's time, of course, for me to introduce you to the team and find out what's been their highlight of the week this week. Also share your highlights in the chat. We also we always enjoy seeing what you've all been up to. Um, but first up, this guy has some very strange dreams, particularly one where he's being chased by a tall, slim looking creature with a siren for a head. <laughs> it's Nathy. How you doing, dude? You all right? I'm... Uh... <laughs> I'm all right. Yes. Uh, can you wait? Wait. Siren head. What? What? What the heck? What are we talking about here? Is this new like internet culture that I need to? Uh... It, it, you're saying it like you're surprised because you you put me onto this thing. You told me about this. Thing. <laughs> That's why I want to hear you explain what what this thing is. Well, apparently, siren head is uh, a, mis uh, a mysterious creature with a siren for a head that is doing the rounds on YouTube and social media at the moment. It's becoming like a little phenomenon. I think it started on TikTok. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, people are uh, scooping in the views with this thing. <laughs> Getting old. Yeah. It's a little bit like Slenderman in a way. It is. It is. It is exactly. I, yeah. I think the first time I saw Siren Head was uh, actually uh, in, in a VR mod uh, on, on Fallout. Uh, someone mm. like uh, added, added like the, the Siren Head as an enemy. Uh, so you could just fight it. Um, and it became like this horror survival where somewhere in the swamps of, of, of uh, you know, Fallout 4, you could meet the Siren Head. So that's how I got to hear about, you know, this, this, this <laughs> meme thing. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I dove into um, Myth, uh, A Frozen Tale. Um, there is not much mm. else I have really been, been doing this week uh, VR-wise. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I checked it out. It's, it's a VR experience made by uh, uh, Disney Animations. Uh, and uh, you can only try it on Oculus Quest. First, I thought it was free, but it's not. Uh, I think it's around three, four dollars. Three dollars. Uh, and and it, it takes you about like eight, nine minutes. Um, you can't interact with anything. Uh, you don't need your controllers. You can just uh, jump in and then you can just watch. Uh, it's a 360 meets 180 where the they, they, they kind of direct you and where you need to look. So if you, it was very odd, like when you look behind you, for example, it faded to black a little bit. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why they did that. Uh, I think the reason why is because they wanted you to focus on, well, the thing you should watch. Because um, even that it is a 360, when you watch it, there is only activity in a certain area. And it's, it's like you watch it like a movie, so you follow everything around. But uh, mm. what it's about is it's... As I said, a frozen tale. It has something to do with a frozen the movie. Uh, as far as I know, uh, it's taking place right before Frozen Two. So if you are going to try this, then you should watch that. I heard because then yeah. you understand better uh, what it's all about. But you um, you sit in the forest of Arendelle, an enchanted forest, where you get to meet the uh, elementals. Uh, so water fire um, stuff like that but it's 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 very cool and i heard it's the first real uh, disney vr experience uh, on any platform 
Cool. And do you think this is something that, you know, like if you've got kids that enjoy Frozen, you know, like I know that young girls were obsessed with it for many years, they're going to really love this then. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I think it's, it's it's great for kids. I think adults might enjoy it too, but I, I do feel like I think kids will be mm. more uh, intrigued by this uh, by this world. But what I thought was uh, super cool is that it's it's a very, uh, um, you know, it's a, a, a visual experience, a pleasure for the eyes, I would say. Um, but at the start, um, it starts as like a storyteller and then you are actually like in this in this uh, room with other people telling the story but these are the characters that um are you know very similar to the ones you have seen in frozen one and two i mean the, the character style you know the, mm-hmm. so you're like it, it really feels like wow i'm in the disney movie you know um mm. and i think that's that's very exciting and uh, this might be you know um uh, a slow start in a way because i mean with disney we think maybe way bigger but mm. uh, this is one of those projects that people work on uh, at the animation studios is like i think a side project and mm. then they get to release it on the store just like we have a bruise you know with uh the the, the kite experience where uh, they work on one movie uh, on, on frozen for example but then on the on the side as a you know an extra thing to do they can just pick their own project and work on that and i think that's awesome so this is yeah. like a result of that I'm surprised it's not free or, or, or used in a way. No, that's to what I was also uh, surprised by. Yeah, used yeah. in a way to promote a new film because I don't think there's any new Frozen films in the pipeline right now. But no. it's kind of like generally used as a marketing tool. But some, for something that's like ten minutes long and that's going to cost you three bucks, it's like yeah. how many times are your kids going to watch this, or how many times are you going to watch this? You know. No, I was. Is, is I, it, yeah. It's, yes. uh, I, I think the, that they put a price on it is a little odd um, because I feel like it's it's so short. And since there's also not much interaction going on, you know, from from the viewers side, mm. uh, it's like, you know, there is no you watch it once and that's it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why they did that, but it, it's a good step, as I said, that Disney is now bringing something out and I would love to see more of that, you know, yeah. on, on, on the quest and also other <laughs> platforms. So another this, quick, is like, this is like this is like this is like another turn of the apocalypse. I think Frozen has finally made it to VR. That's another X on the calendar. I thought nothing had happened in June. Twenty twenty has been a great year so far. Yeah, clearly, clearly, uh, twenty twenty is delivering us the worst possible things. Anyway, so I had had had, had my stand on that. So just just one interesting point that uh, Nathie told me about this experience is that you can't record it. It actually blocks you from recording it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's something new. I think that 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 one of the latest quest updates uh, uh, had is that um, it, it's it's like an anti-piracy uh, thing. So mm-hmm. you're not allowed to record it because it technically it's a movie. I had the same with Felix and Paul, their uh, experiences. So I tried to uh, record the Jurassic uh, World one, Blue. Um, mm-hmm. Also didn't work. Um, so yeah, they built that in. But uh, I think it's a shame because if you are... A filmmaker if you are a developer if you are a publisher then you can just you know send me an email let's talk about it tell me what i can show and what i can't show so there is still something out there because that has been a problem uh with for example like film festivals where you can you get to hear about an experience but you have no idea what it looks like and a little bit of footage makes the difference Mm. It's the same with the escape VR uh, uh, thing we tried, right? We showed yep. some gameplay and then suddenly there is this spark of interest. 
So it's important that uh, Oculus and also the developers find a way to kind of... Well, Make it work for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Good point. Good point. Uh, nice. Okay. Well, next up, this guy loves to uh, lock and load and feel the force, getting those good vibrations in. VR streamer, Zimtok5. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, good. Good week. Uh, I spent like almost all last weekend racing and uh, reconfiguring my Assetto servers. And that's actually my highlight of the week is because it's like my favorite social gathering. Um, I think you guys know that. But uh, it's it just it's like such a blast to get 10, 15 people, cars on the track and just run around for a couple of hours, like talking about all the shit that's going down right now. Um, and, and, and there was just so much every second day, there's something else. And now we've got frozen, you know, so there's loads of stuff hey. to, you know, there bitch you about with your friends. And I love that. Um, the only other thing that I did this week, which I thought I'd, I'd mention because it was something new and rather unexpected for me. Um, I've mentioned before and Rowdy and I think had the same opinion of the, uh, index controller hand strap um mm. didn't really like that my like the way it cups the bottom of your hand it did something funny to the nerves and i i just never got comfortable with it i mean that's saying i had what a couple of hours with it at, at most and uh, so i'm not a index owner and I, I can't say that i've had you know 100 contact hours with the thing um but i got a quest thing called the uh, pro strap yesterday and um they sent me this thing which basically takes the existing pro tube mag cups and then, and I thought it was going to break my controller, uh, <laughs> and then uses a little like 3D printed plastic flange that traps inside the battery door uh, to then give you that same kind of thing that I think a couple of the like mammoth grip holders yep. and stuff have done. Uh, yep. But I thought it was quite ingenious. And the best part about it, although I couldn't see myself really using that like because I'm not that kind of I, I like free controllers, no tassel, no like safety straps. You know, I like to risk it but coupled with the force tube you feel connected to the thing like you haven't ever before and that part really sold me on it um i have no idea what the price or release date is for those those are kind of you know early build um and so i thought i'd just show it because people sometimes go crazy for like various accessories and yeah uh, need to know that these things are coming so yeah i tried go. them myself as well and i think you're right you know uh, i would use them if i was going to use the the force tube or the pro tube but i wouldn't use them off those devices um do you know what i mean and that's yeah. kind of the feedback that i gave to them as well um the i suppose that's that, the whole idea of it i guess yeah the only thing and the funny the funny part is i actually used the cups attached to the touch controllers uh a few times already and people with long hands have said that the new touch controllers that come with the rift s and the quest are a little bit too short mm. and their hands awkwardly slip off the bottom and they're mm. just like a little bit too shy. So this gives you that extra inch or whatever, which makes it that bit more comfortable for a bigger mm. hand. But with all these configurations, I always have the problem. It's kind of forcing your hand further up the controller than I find comfortable. So mm. you end up pressing the Oculus or the menu button with like the middle of your thumb instead of the, the finger, you know, the pad of your thumb. So anyway, it's an option. People should probably know that that's coming down the pipeline. It's very well cool. manufactured. I, I have to give, you know, ProTube mm -hmm. that, but... Um, between, you know, spending oodles of hours in Assetto, um, I think I found my itch again this month for uh, racing. And now, like any spare time I get, I just I just go back on the tracks, um, drifting and, and and rallying with friends. So awesome. that's that's been my week. Awesome to hear. Awesome to hear. Looking forward to hear your thoughts on Gran Turismo later on. When we talk about PlayStation Ooh. stuff. Um, so this next guy, he's Sony's favorite Belgian. Fun fact: he actually also taught Astrobot all his dance moves. 
It's uh, Rowdy VR. How you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And I have to say, if you see Astrobot dance, you know, it's, it's got some moves. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's good. pretty good. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. You can floss I've, I've really been well. Doing great. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But that, that's that's what I told him. Yeah, yeah for sure. Spend hours on that. <laughs> but anyway, this week has been uh, it's been uh, uh, great for me. I found a new place where I can um, where I can settle down in. So uh, soon I'll be I'll be heading down. And there's a, a short story about that. And I, you guys already I, I told you that personally, but I haven't like sh- showed that it, um, to the people listening uh, yet. When I when I moved to Canada, uh, my girlfriend was p- packing her bag and I was packing my bag. And my girlfriend's bag was full of like shoes and handbags and clothes and the things that I brought. Well, I, I put them here next to me, so I brought my my cooler. That's my my PS PSU unit. So I got everything already set up. I brought my uh, I brought my graphics card. Oh my, God. Oh my days! <laughs> the essentials, <laughs> right? Was this carry on? There's actually in my luggage. I got oh, my RAM shit. memory oh, with me, and then also oh, of God. course my 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 water cooler unit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Wow. I, I, love, I love this. Like so clothes, soon. like nah. <laughs> I I, I, barely, I don't even have a jacket here. Like I'm I'm being serious. My I don't even have a jacket. I have this thing, uh, wow. which I wear. Rowdy, the same shirt outside, from last but... episode. Yeah, Row- Rowdy is not even wearing any yeah, underwear yeah, anymore. You know, <laughs> just for the computer well, I mean, stuff. I do, I do have. We do have a washing machine here, so I don't need that many clothes. I just wash them. <laughs> <laughs> Three shirts. Good to hear that you've got your priorities right, though, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So soon I'll be able to set everything uh, back up. I smuggled all of my parts uh, over here, so uh, I should be good to go soon. Um, well, soon. It's still going to be a little while because I still need to order, like, you know, like a PC and some parts myself that I mm-hmm. didn't manage to bring because I was too scared they would break. Yeah. Um, it's actually funny that I managed to bring my graphics card, but I didn't manage to bring like a motherboard or something. You know? <laughs> but um, I, I, I hope to be set up soon because I do miss it. Like I do miss recording videos and, and playing virtual reality games for sure. So hopefully I get that sorted some, out really quickly. Some some prison yeah, boss. And get back to it. And back In to the prison boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to hear that you're settling That's down true. there because uh, it's, it's a big it's a big thing, you know, moving to uh, you know the other side of the world relocating it's it's a big deal so glad you're finally sort of getting into the swing of it and your wife's going to be joining you soon as well i hear yeah hopefully yeah yeah like we now have uh, all the documents hopefully in order so hopefully she'll be able to to join me soon awesome you could look happier about that but you know i won't <laughs> <laughs> because i don't have any sad. clothes mike uh, that, that's why my camera is all only up to here because yeah. i'm actually not wearing any pants or anything <laughs> during the wash there you go thank you for that rowdy uh, thank you uh, so next up, we have a special guest this week, and that is the original Deep Rifter. It is Chris Madsen from VR Immersive Education and Engage. Thank you for joining us on the show this week. Uh, you got any highlights or anything you want to share with us that you've been up to this week in yeah, VR? Yeah, thanks for having me out. Um, you know, most of my days in VR are spent actually working inside of VR on the Engage platform. Uh, a couple of real highlights for us this week is the first is Victory XR. These are the uh, folks that are famous for that frog dissection uh, and cadaver work in virtual reality. Oh, they God. just opened their first virtual academy on the Engage platform, and uh, we oh. got our our open house on that. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, You start out in this full-on classroom in virtual reality, Ready Player One style. They show this video. They have dinosaurs coming out over the audience, uh, (laughs) DNA molecules flying around, all kinds of cool stuff. And then 
they take you into a laboratory where they have Wendy Martin, who's an award-winning teacher, uh, start talking about biology. She pulls out a heart and gives a heart to every participant, and they can enlarge this heart and step inside of the heart to view it from the inside. You know, going beyond the PowerPoint, and that's one of my mantras this year is, how do we go beyond the PowerPoint when we're educating in VR? And these guys are nailing it on that aspect. We had a uh, uh, scientists come in and talk about cellular, bio cellular biology, and he was able to blow up a cell and have us like look at it from different angles to see how it worked. And then we stepped into um, a planetarium that they'd put together where you can reach into this orb and rotate the stars around you, you know, at will. We watched a SpaceX launch from inside of there. And then we stepped into uh, a Star <laughs> Trek teleporter. The entire audience, like, you know, 30 of us in this giant teleporter, and we teleported into a museum. And uh, from there, we walked down this hallway. It felt very Disney-esque, right? You got this hallway and you could see these pillars all collapsed in the hallway with sand. Were falling. they playing Frozen in the background? <laughs> right. It's, it's, uh, it was, we went into a uh, King Tut's tomb or an Egyptian space. We got sand falling from the ceilings and we got to explore. And they had all these pieces from the Smithsonian Institute photogrammetry, right? So you got to go up and inspect uh, the busts of, these, uh, of, of the pharaohs and really amazing. Then we went to this place where they had this woolly mammoth skeleton. And this time around, we stepped into a time machine and got teleported back in time to a herd of woolly mammoths. And we got to hang out. Everybody's all pet petting the baby woolly mammoth. And it was just a blast. Like the 60 minutes just went by like this because we were having so much fun. So, you know, this is really like this first taste of Ready Player One style environment where you're learning with the best experts in the world. And it's an experiential uh, thing, you know, where you, mm. you, it does enhance the learning. You don't forget experiences like that. Yeah, it kind of it kind of sounds like you liked it. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> that's awesome. If that's your day job, you know, and you get to enjoy that as much, you know, as well as do that for your job, you know. It is. We do a lot of tours, you know, with corporations coming in to see how we collaborate going into the future. I'm sure we'll get into all that a little bit later. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. We the will. other fun thing that we were uh, doing this week was uh, exploring photogrammetry. You know, with the River Team based out of UK, they specialize in doing photogrammetry. We were able to do some really fun stuff with that. But uh, the, uh, as far as the gaming side of things, you know, I am back to No Man's Sky. And there's some nice. really good reasons why people, if they haven't done it yet, now is the time to do it because we've just opened cross-platform play. So now you can yeah. hang out with the Xbox players and uh, it's, it's awesome. And they came out with a new mod. One of the things that frustrated me a little bit prior was the fact that you didn't really have true room scale. It was more of a seated experience. And now there's a mod out that I discovered that allows you to have full room experiences and it eliminates a lot of the elements of the HUD, which in VR was very distracting mm -hmm. for me. And now you can clean up that HUD. And in, from my experience, it's way more immersive. You notice things a lot more. And I can talk about that a little bit later on as well. It's really actually taught me a few things about how do we want to use AR going into the future? Um, and nice. the answer for me is it's, it's, you probably don't want a lot of overlays on your vision because it is distracting from the real world in a way that uh, isn't very satisfying. Uh, but again, we can talk about that when we dive into yeah. that a little bit deeper. But 
that's my yeah we've always we've always been advocates of that on the show you know getting rid of hud and making it more immersive for the player absolutely mm -hmm. but it, I, I just imagine this in my mind of like an xbox player bumping into someone in vr maybe doesn't really understand vr and then you see this character like actually moving their arms and legs and their and their <laughs> head and talking to them and gesturing that must just blow their mind if you need one more reason to play no man's sky in virtual reality is to make fun of xbox players that can't totally <laughs> and there's there's actually a little exploit you can use with the ability to move in you know screw mining and, and mining materials that stuff takes too long go to the go in and just dance in front of people they will throw you all kinds of money right awesome awesome thank you very much for your recommendation and thanks for joining us chris really looking yeah. forward to getting into uh, some topics uh, to discuss with you later on in the show um so my highlight this week uh, i've been playing a lot of um hyperdash uh, that's not necessarily my highlight i've been sort of testing a lot of recording and streaming methods on quest uh, but the game I want to highlight is uh, Down the Rabbit Hole by uh, Cortopia Studios. Um, a lot of us originally played this back at Gamescom last year, but finally had the opportunity to go back and actually go and experience the game uh, from start to finish myself this week. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a kind of a VR adventure uh, puzzle game with uh, an Alice in Wonderland sort of theme to it. Uh, you basically play this girl who gets lost in the woods, tumbles down the rabbit hole, and you find a new little friend and companion in a playing card called four and a half which is kind of a cool little character <laughs> yeah. uh, and together you kind of work through the story and some puzzles together which is uh, really nice uh, you also get to sort of meet iconic characters from the alice in wonderland universe like you know the queen uh the white rabbit the cheshire cat the caterpillar of course um and yeah it's just it's just like a really nice little experience um you also have to sort of alongside sort of solving these like puzzles which some of which can be quite tricky you have to collect invitations to the queen's party which uh, have, have been sort of lost and are scattered around, uh, amongst the environment so you really have to kind of search for them uh to you know the little corners of each environment to, to collect them all and there's, there's actually different endings based on how many invitations you collect which is kind of unique um so yeah it took me about maybe two hours to finish uh from start to finish i did it in one session um and i would say it's it's good. Uh, it encourages you to go back, obviously, and find all the invitations to get the, the really good endings. Uh, but I sort of didn't find them all, but I found enough to get a fairly decent ending. But I wouldn't say I would go back uh, to find the rest. Um, but I did think it was fun. And I think it's kind of one of those perfect kind of chill Sunday afternoon games that you just mm. blitz in one session and then you kind of move on. Uh, but that is um, so, down the rabbit hole. So 90% of the playtime was you trying to solve the, the puzzle with the flowers? They've actually made it much easier now. Oh, okay. um, that was very tricky at Gamescom, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I gave them some feedback on that. And uh, they made it uh, a bit more obvious uh, and easier to solve that puzzle, because that was and, a particularly hard one. Yeah. And, and, and you also played Xing? Haven't played Xing yet, to oh. uh, PD's uh, much Chagrin. dismay. Yeah, yeah, so uh, uh, apologies. Uh, he'll, he'll keep going until I play it, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Maybe I, sometime. I, you know, the fact that you're saying, Mike, that it took you two hours and you beat it, Makes me feel uh, the reason I said, "God damn it, Mike!" Because I spent, I think, two and a half hours, and then I had to give up. And I thought it was at least like double that length, like maybe a five or six hour game. <laughs> no. and maybe I was just at the last door, you know, or something. But or I'm just oh, yeah. terrible at these games, and you're just if, great if, at puzzle if you're games. stuck, I can I can point you in the right direction. I'm not stuck. Say nothing about okay. shadow. <laughs> nothing. Okay, just zip it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, down the rabbit hole, it's on Quest, Rift, and PCVR on Steam if you're interested in checking it out. That's a good one. Um, so before we get into the news this week, I want to say thank you again to uh, the sponsor of the show, and that is, of course, Synth Riders. They've been looking after us for the last few weeks. Uh, but this week, Synth Riders have teamed up with O-Shape, uh, and they're going to be releasing a limited-time duo pack bundle with a 30% discount on Oculus Quest. Now, the uh, duo pack invites players to enjoy two VR rhythm games together that share the pure fun of dancing and staying fit in virtual reality. And to celebrate this kind of unique collaboration between Synth Riders and O-Shape, the developers have jointly released a free new song called Delight, which is available in both games. Uh, and they're also, this is kind of neat, they're running mm. a cross-game contest where the top players in three different categories uh, can win limited edition t-shirts and up to $150 in Amazon gift cards. Uh, I think that's a really, really cool little competition there. Um, so if you're interested, go and check out the Synth Riders and O-Shape dual duo pack available now on oculus quest links to it are in the description down below along with the contest uh, if you want to get involved in that as well mm. yeah. that is our sponsor thank you very much synth riders uh, neat little bundle there I, I love that because uh in particular like seeing that combination and it's funny because you know we got into the advertising deal with them but uh, they said nothing about like, i love o-shape like o-shape o-shape's on my bloody bottle here like <laughs> i mean i love the o-shape game uh, and I think it, like in my mind, I think O Shape is is fantastic. If you like are um, you're, you're intending to play single player, that's a great game to just blast through like on your own. The music is great, and then and then like I would jump into Synth Riders myself for the multiplayer. The multiplayer yeah. aspect is, in my opinion, right now second to none in any of the uh, any of the beat music beat games. Yeah, and it's awesome to see like developers collaborate like this. It's not yeah, very it's, often you see that. So it's, cool. it's very nice. creative. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get into the news then. We've got lots to talk about this week. <laughs> uh, and let's start with PS5. So the PS5 event took place on Thursday, the 11th of June this week, and was the event that we're all looking forward to, where Sony finally unveils the new PS5 console design, along with the games that will be available to play on the new platform after release. So I was super, super excited about this event, and Nathie and I watched this event together, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we did actually record it, but I don't think that recording will ever see the light of day, unfortunately <laughs> for you all. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, I was pretty optimistic, uh, you know, at the beginning. I, I sort of said, you know, I I'm pretty sure they're going to tease something PSVR at least. Uh -huh. um, but sadly, that wasn't the case, right? Uh, did you all sort of catch the stream? Did you all watch it live or, or did you watch it on catch up? What was the deal with that? Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched the highlights of it. Okay. Yeah, I watched the whole thing with a group of about 10 people in a Discord, and we just kind of, again, it was one of those nights of just having a lot. It's always good for these things because on, on your own, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, a little bit you want to, poke chopsticks into your eye sometimes with watching yeah. these events yeah. especially the xbox ones they are rough but like for apple and 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 sony's stuff yeah with a group is always good fun yeah I'm glad absolutely. you guys watch together yeah yeah and i think it was more fun that way i i, I probably oh, would have yeah. fallen asleep had had nathan been there to cheer me it's, up it's with clear it. that i didn't have any friends because i didn't receive invites from <laughs> sorry <anyone. laughs> it's really cool guys i feel, I feel really, really bad now no um so um so yeah, it's kind of strange, you know, they didn't announce anything PSVR related, and I guess to a certain degree, Sony want to keep it more streamlined, you know, keep it focused on the console, keep it focused on like the biggest player base and, you know, not confuse anyone with VR and, you know, not give that mixed message maybe. So I kind of understand it, but it's disappointing nevertheless, um, particularly when they keep on saying that, you know, this is the future of gaming um, and, and they say that, but yet yeah, it looks almost identical to the last generation of gaming, you know, especially when they sort of pop up with Rockstar at the beginning and you're like, 
okay, here we go. I was like GTA, GTA 6. 6. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then it's like, oh, GTA 5 oh. is going to be on this console as well. And you're like, okay, it was on the cool. last two consoles. Like, you know, is this the future of gaming? We're just going to rehash the same games over and over again for generations Honestly, to come? Mike, because I've only just started playing GTA 5, it felt totally fresh to me. And then I was like, <laughs> hang on a second. This game is like seven years old now. Surely yeah. they're taking the piss. Like, what is this? Is this like a history of gaming or what? where are exactly. we going? This is yeah. weird that they led with that. Exactly. I think I think it was weird as well. Um, they did get my heart racing a little bit when Astro uh, popped up. Uh, they had a little section where he was in the trailer, um, but apparently it was a trailer for a thing called Astro's Playroom, which is going to be preloaded on every PS5 console, and it's basically like an onboarding experience to get you familiar with the new controller design. So, um, you know, it's a shame that, again, wasn't sort of referenced to VR. Oh, no. but, but, but the undertext there, Mike, is that they're going to brainwash them so that they all buy PSVR 2. Ah. That's the that's the undercurrent. You I, see. I would I would be happy with that. I'd be happy with that. That's right. Um, you get with them being brainwashed. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, one of us, one of us. <laughs> um, so I thought uh, we could talk maybe about the games uh, and then move on to the hardware because you know although they're not VR games, there is you know they're they're, they're awesome looking games some of them and you know whoa, we're all whoa. still gamers at heart. So so we gotta uh, play we gotta talk about pancake games here. Well, maybe we can just talk about one each that you thought stood out and that you're maybe excited about. Um, so maybe Zim, like, do you want to start? Is there something that you were excited about from the show? <laughs> He's trying to feed me. I know what you're doing. You're like like take Gran Turismo. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, from the show, the number one thing that uh, stood out to me, and I wish. Uh, I might run a trailer of it or something in a second here. Project Athia was the the one that visually stood okay. out to me as yeah. like, if I was going to play a game off of this lineup, that would be the one. Um, yeah, that's an interesting choice. It, yeah, so it nice. looked like a, a kind of a stylized adventure and it just looked it, really interesting to me. You know, when, when I saw the first trailer for like Journey and stuff like that, mm -hmm. it's similarly, it's just a similar fishhook where you're like, out of everything on the lineup, that's the one that, that took me. Project Athia. Nice. What about you then, Rowdy? It's, it's I mean, I always like uh, the PlayStation games in general because they're often uh, single-player games. I love so this. This is because no, like this is because this is where you realize that that Rowdy really is Sony's like favorite because they send him stuff all the time and he's being very like, <laughs> oh yeah, I love all the games, all the games. Just send me them. Keep sending me them all, Sony. Keep sending me all the games. Yes, keep sending. <laughs> keep just yeah, exactly. No, sorry, go no, on. but. Uh, the, the the thing is like with PlayStation often that started for me with the Final Fantasy series. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really big games, really great story, uh, where you get really invested in. That's something that I that I like about like the general games that that PlayStation has been bringing out. If I had to pick one of them that I I think is is really cool, even though I didn't uh, play the, the the first one, it's it's Horizon, the new Horizon game. Yeah, that looks super nice. Um, yeah, that looks really amazing and. Uh, also, the new Spider-Man game. I think that is something that is awesome. Apparently, that's um, just an expansion. But, I found out later on. Uh, oh. It's just an expansion to the original so? game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah. was hoping it was going to be a whole new game, but it's not. It's just an expansion. But, but, but the thing is, of course, and 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 maybe that's something that maybe we'll touch later as well. It's it's becoming harder and harder for I think developers to come up with something new on a platform mm. that is already so mm. advanced. Because the, of course, a step from going from PlayStation Four to PlayStation Five will be far less than, for example, going from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 or from PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3, just because you're, you're, you're kind of hitting like a plateau of what you can do um, in terms of, of, of making it look better. 
you know what I mean? Like I, the yeah. the, the mm-hmm. increases yeah. will be marginal from that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think that if you look at, for example, Horizon Forbidden West, it looks amazing, of course, but uh, The Last of Us 2 looks yeah. amazing too. Yeah. So... So interestingly, no, yeah. um, the chat are saying that it's not an expansion, actually, that it is a full standalone game, which is interesting, because I'm sure oh, I read somewhere that, that, one? It, yeah, that it, that okay. it was going to be uh, an expansion, well, but where, maybe where it's just you read mis- it? Fake miscommunication news. somewhere. I can't remember okay. what website was, gaming website somewhere. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah. what about you then, Nathie? Um, what about you? Anything stand out for you? that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, two, actually. Uh, one mm-hmm. is like, a, you know, a serious one that I uh, think is super awesome is... Uh, I think it's called uh, Returnal. 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 The one where this uh, this woman goes to you know she she's traveling through space and then she crash lands on this planet and I think goes crazy and sees uh, things that aren't there Um, and every day something else happens on the planet. It's like reliving. It's like Groundhog Day horror edition that I think is uh, is something that I would definitely check out. And, um, you know, as Mike said, I was really looking for something uh, new, unique, innovative. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, um, you know, Ratchet and Clank and those titles, you know, and, and, and Horizon, they're like system sellers. And that's why mm-hmm. they are there. You know, that's what the, the, the main gaming scene uh, buys a PlayStation 5 for. Um, but I love when, you know, uh, new studios get the chance to also... Um, work on something and then show it off, especially at you know uh, this reveal because it's a, it's it's a big moment, right? To uh, get some airtime from from uh, from Sony to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and next to that, uh, a guilty pleasure is uh, is uh, Bug Snacks. Bug Snacks. You do not know, understand how excited this man was when this trailer came out, and I was like, I don't get this, but fine if you love it. That's that's. Great yeah. for you. <laughs> and and this one, this game is like uh, some kind of like FIFA Piata uh, kind of like uh, title mm. where you get to grow your own like animal farm. But these are not just animals. They're like animals mixed with um, snacks. Um, so you can cross like, um, you know, a strawberry with a hamburger and then it becomes like, it's a bit like Spore too, you know? You remember mm-hmm. Spore? Where you yeah. could like it's, make it's your own It's a bit alien? like the Rick and Morty VR experience where you have like that oh, replicator God, yeah, where that you can thing. put stuff yeah. in, right? Oh, well, MeSynx, you mean? The MeSynx um, guy? No, the, the replicator thingy. Yeah, yeah. the oh, machine. Oh, I don't know it. So yeah, there cool. you go. But I think the, the big, big games have to be still announced although these were yeah. you know it was a good lineup but the really you know big hitters uh, there were a few but there are more coming for sure this was a yeah. nice this is show just wondering like like how much of this is like gonna be like kind of like the same in a new jacket rather than a really new exp- i mean it's been a while since i've played like a game that that felt in 2d at least uh that felt or well a pancake version uh that felt like it was new yeah, exactly. Something yeah, creative. Well, yeah. new, new were definitely. I think the last one for me was was control. Mm. I think that really felt yeah. different in terms but, of anything else that I've. But played. I, I think a lot of like a lot of people buy PlayStation Five for the visuals, and they would just want you know even higher uh, graphics. But in the end, it's all about the gameplay. You know, if the gameplay is not new or different, um, mm. yeah. So what about you then, Chris? Any any game that really sort of stuck out for you? So I represent the demographic that's just been playing PC games my whole life. But what's interesting from a perspective from my demographic is, first of all, the PlayStation 5 looks amazing. 
Uh, but I am going to need to see what that headset's going to, what the specs of the headset are going to look like, and just give me a couple really awesome titles, and I would consider getting one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, for me, you know, like um, Resident Evil really sort of stood out for me. Uh, Resident Evil Village. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of games like that that would lend itself well to VR support. But, you know, we'll sort of get into that in a little bit now. So another thing I want to mention, actually, before I get into the hardware is that something I saw this week on Twitter. That's pretty interesting. And it was from the developers of Lo-Fi, uh, Blair Reynold. Uh, he tweeted out this week that Lo-Fi will actually be coming to PS5 in 2021, uh, which is kind of interesting because... Oh. Right now, as we all know, Lo-Fi is a VR game being developed for PC VR. And this is the first time we've heard about the game coming to consoles. This is so. the first game announced unofficially for PlayStation VR 2 mm. then. Well, this is the thing. He, When he was probed further about it, he wouldn't confirm it. Um, so it could just be that it's going to be a flat port. So I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but I'm just saying that this is what happened this week. And, you know, read into that what you will. Uh, okay. But it's just kind of interesting nevertheless. Well, he's not so, saying anything because that's great marketing. Like, you know, right, exactly. exactly. Sides, it, 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 no could just be a, it could just be a flat port. We will never <laughs> yeah. know until it actually happens, I guess. But um, I think yeah. Lo-Fi is also going to be part of the VR showcase from Upload VR this week as well, which I'm going to touch yeah. on uh, very shortly. Um, but what do you guys think about the actual console itself, like in terms of its design? And, and is it something that you're going to be interested in? Like, would you buy one without a CD um. drive? Like what? <laughs> I think it's a very different direction that they that they usually went to because normally it's something that is very like well integrated uh, that you can kind of hide away or like it's like a, a nice piece of furniture maybe um, but this is something that really like takes attention mm. right it's a very different design it, it looks much more futuristic rather than like this like thing that looks like um, uh, like a DVD player or something like that yeah um, so stand I, out. I do think it's an it's an interesting kind of shift of direction in terms of that they go for something that is a little bit more uh, visually appealing to a certain kind of people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks super it's nice. I, I like the design, and for me, like you know, I'd be quite happy to go with a digital or digital console. You know, like I've been going with uh, like all digital PC pretty much for like the last sort mm -hmm. of five, six years. I think I don't think I've had a CD-ROM drive in a PC for, for ages. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't really bother me, but I, I do understand people <laughs> like to collect physical editions of games. You know, I've got a few behind me. And, and um, resell, right? Like uh, if you have yeah. uh, four games that you all played and you finish them, yeah. of those four games, you can buy a new game. So yeah. it's like constantly, you know, leveling up. So yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, 50-50 with that. Yeah. yeah. What we do know, of course, about the PS5 is, and this was, you know, mentioned and you know a long time ago by Sony, is that the the original PSVR will still work with the new console, and they've announced that sort of very from the very beginning. Uh, but what we don't know, of course, is that are they going to bring a new headset to the table? You know, we we talked about the controllers on a previous episode of the show where they had a video showing you know, like these amazing hand tracked controllers without any mm. external sensors, and you know they they gave a sort of um, on par experience with what the Valve Index currently offers with individual finger tracking, yeah. uh, which looked really smart. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously we don't know anything about that right now, but I think, you know, from what we've seen, they want to sort of stay laser focused on getting the console out for everyone. And then I think they'll announce whatever's yeah. coming. I think that's down the smart. Line. That's also what like the majority of the people tune into to that event, event want to know. Like, I think you're right. a new console? Yeah. Uh, I think it's smart not to shift attention to, because it, it would ultimately it would be bad for the VR headset as well, because it would be like a side note. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, they also have uh, a new uh, PSVR console. Well, if they have a different event or a different launch for specifically for the PlayStation VR, I think that might actually be uh, beneficial. Uh, yeah. Uh, just like to make a 
point on, on. On, on the launch as well. Like, I, I saw a lot of attention around price. Uh, in other words, price wasn't mentioned. And when I was batting this around in my head, I thought, at, similar to Chris, like I'm very much a PC guy. Like mm. years ago at StarCraft, right, pulled mm. me to PC and then that was it. Goodbye consoles. Um, aside from one or two little offshoots, I bought my PS4 Pro for the PSVR. And, you know, only now summing up the total, it's like, actually, that's the most expensive VR headset that uh, that you can get. And this is going to be like that for me because it's going to be PlayStation 5 plus PSVR 2. That's not going to be a cheap bundle. Right. Uh, and you do it. Why? You do it for the content. Um, yeah. So I, I don't mind that the PlayStation VR element didn't show. I think it does deserve its own showcase. And I hope, I hope that's, that's what they're the planning. Yeah, I really hope you're right there. Um, a lot of people did sort of speculate around the, the new HD camera. Uh, I think Road to VR did an article about it yeah. uh, because it is an optional extra. Apparently, it's not going to be bundled with either of these consoles, um, yeah. you know, the digital one or the one with the, D, the disk drive. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be an optional extra. So it kind of hints at the fact that because it's a stereo camera, RotoVR was saying that, you know, it's quite possible that you'll need this new camera with the PS5 to, to, to use your old PSVR. Yeah, old. But, but apparently because, you know, this new uh, HD camera will have, you know, a better resolution that the tracking will improve, although mm. I'm still a bit skeptical about that, to be honest, uh, if they still use that light tracking. Sense. No, that, that um, makes sense. That makes sense because you have, a, you have a, a finer detail in the scene uh, and light yeah, tracking. If you, use, if you use light, then frequency it, will and, still be, it will still be a bulb that you need to, to mm, track. So yeah, but but it's, you it, can do that in total darkness well, too. As long, not, <laughs> I don't think that the HD camera will make a big difference. In but that. they're talking about, right? So if you're, if you're sampling a scene at, at 60 hertz as opposed to 120, um, or you've got a better detail. At the moment, it's what, like 800 by 600 or something? It's a really yeah, low-res camera. Low. Yeah. And and so actually re- refining the object multiple times a second for tracking, even if it's a rubbish base methodology, it's still going to improve your tracking. I, I don't think so. I think if you improve the refresh rate, that you'll have a better experience because you'll be able to refresh, to, to track a camera better because you have more frames per second. But I don't think that the resolution will make such a big difference mm. to that. Well, but he was also I... saying his kind of idea was that, um, you know, that the headset will be um, the part that's uh, backwards compatible, but they'll re- announce new controllers potentially, like these ones, that the redesign that we've seen, and obviously with this new camera as well. So he's he's almost suggesting that, you know, that the, the PSVR will retain the headset, but the other parts will oh. change and, and maybe use like a, like the electromagnetic you know tracking with the controllers like we've seen in the Pico Neo oh, for example oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah, it could yeah, be occluded yeah. behind your back and it still be tracked that was the suggestion from them anyway but mm. you know for me personally I just hope we just I, I'd rather see like a whole refresh new headset with inside out tracking new controllers um, but that's yeah. just me you know? Well, I, 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 well you know what I was hoping for that the PlayStation the new the PS5 would have kind of a shape where you could like mount a PSVR headset on. That would have been awesome. It's actually just a a big elaborate PSVR headset holder. That's what you want. (laughs) Like the one thing that no one's talking about, I I find to be the number one standout point as a console, even if it's sitting three, four feet away from me, maybe a bit further than that when I'm playing, uh, is the noise. Like this thing doesn't look like it's housing a 60, 80, 120 mil fan. It looks like, I mean, unless it's going to be passively cooled, which for the kind of specs that they're running, I doubt, it's probably going to be another jet engine sitting in the corner of your room making a bucket uh, of noise. And I, that's not good for broadcasting because you have or, to find some way to muffle it out. Or they pull the trick with what they did with PlayStation 2 where you first buy a PlayStation 2 and then you buy a PlayStation 2 Lite. 
<laughs> it becomes even smaller. That's what I'm trying to say. But um, I, if you look at the design, I think airflow-wise, it's the best one so far, the way they have designed it. But uh, yeah, of course, they didn't play that that fancy commercial with like the sound it makes. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. It will always make a certain noise. I mean, it's the same with a computer, right? Um, mm. and, and if it's packed in there and you play the most you know demanding games i'm sure it's gonna make some noise but hey that's the difference between buying a computer and a playstation is a playstation and you can't change anything about that and with a computer mm-hmm. i mean you can you can decide what you put in there so but i'm sure they have worked on that um all i just hope is that you know uh that the the playstation vr 2 is not going to be a front-facing experience yes light tracking is also should change but the fact that it's front-facing i just you know, but I can't. I, d- I, can't I do, do think that. that they go in like the the, the Rift S way or the, the yeah inside out, way. inside so. out tracking. I hope so. I really hope I so. Think Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, but maybe there's some backwards compatibility though with the the original PSVR headset. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're you know, saying, they, right? Like well, that, that's, that's what they're saying. But yeah, you know, it's... you know whether they can whether they can improve it to a point where it could be 360. I, I really don't know. But you know, we just have to wait and see. I, you know, I, I it's just, all speculation at this dude, point. Dude, like if they. I said it before, if they go Quest Oculus Link style, where it's like yeah. PlayStation Portable, dude, like, I, I would love there's that. nothing else I need anymore in my life. Yeah, I would I, love that. I, I would actually that. really wonder, you know how the thing looks like a bit of a router? It looks like a Virgin Media <laughs> router. Um, I wonder if they're going to do something smart with, like, 5G in-home streaming casting to a PSVR 2, you know, something like that. Like, mm. hooking on Nathie's point there... I think that would be a really interesting concept for PlayStation to do, you know? Because the number one thing that I would say, especially with the first provision of the PSVR, is that clunky connector box. Oh, you had God, another yeah, connector it box. It was mm-hmm. like putting it together wasn't simple. And one of the mm-hmm. things that consoles, again, being PC master race, so you're sitting here along with Chris, like it is absolutely baffling how idiot proof consoles are because it's literally hdmi cable to the tv power cable and you're gaming it's like that simple it's it's ridiculous and it feels like a sin anytime i move my playstation and plug it in and then play a 2d game on it it's like it can't be this easy that's wrong you know yeah so if they can do that for vr yeah let's let's have that please Yeah, I, I hope they just launch a new headset and that, that Resident Evil Village, we can all be scared to death in VR again, you know, with a Resident <laughs> Evil experience. That's what I really hope. But you get some weird wishes, Mike. I know. I'm, I'm a sadist. What can yeah. I say? It looks <laughs> good, but it kind of looks like play, um, a Resident Evil 4, I think, yeah. was the one with the village yeah. and the guy at the top who chainsaw you in half I, and all I this like kind it. of stuff. I like it. I you like, like that? It looks awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah you like yeah. it until you play it. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Bring it on. That might get me back in. Oh, Mike. In this I love to be scared too, man. Standing ovation yeah. if you make me scream. Oh, yeah, Jesus. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, you know, although we're disappointed that, that we didn't get a PSVR announcement this week, hopefully, you know, when it comes closer to to release or maybe after release, they'll they'll do a separate event for PSVR and we'll get all the juicy details that we want and need. So. I don't want to go on a tangent, but I, I do want to mention one quick thing. Remember when we saw the PlayStation uh, trailer that, that had like the Egyptian tombs and the dust and the light particles? Mm-hmm. If they can do that with Gran Turismo and then Gran Turismo has VR support, then that's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. It'd be amazing. You know, like it just lends itself well to that, doesn't it? Gran Turismo. Yeah, well, Same with Resident Evil as well, I think. You know, The thing is, one of the things in driving sims that really changes it is like dynamic shadows, lighting, uh, day and night cycles, all that stuff is like really impressive in VR. Um, and unfortunately today, there aren't 
there aren't many titles that can offer that kind of visual fidelity. So if we can get the frame, the fixed frame rate that a PlayStation can offer, yeah, I'm I'm just hopeful. That's all I'll say. I'm hopeful. You know? Hopeful. That's a good word. We can all just remain hopeful. Let us know if you're hopeful in the chat as well. <laughs> I'd like to know what your thoughts are. <laughs> Um, but let's move on to the next bit of news this week, and this is kind of a bit more fun. Uh, this comes from uh, Daniel Beauchamp and uh, Upload VR. Uh, now, Daniel uh, Beauchamp is the head of VR and AR at Spotify, and he also makes and shares some really interesting and unique hand tracking experiments on Quest. Um, I highly recommend you follow him on Twitter as he regularly posts clips of his experiments. Uh, and to give you one example of many that he's created and shared on social media, uh, there's one where he made a game of Jenga in VR. Uh, with hand tracking on Quest, and every time you remove a piece, your fingers extend and get bigger <laughs> and get longer, <laughs> making uh-huh. it even harder <laughs> the next time. So he's got some really fun and you know unique uh, experiments that he shared on there. So follow him. Uh, his Twitter is at pushmatrix uh, on Twitter. So at pushmatrix. Um, but one of his most recent experiments is networked hand tracking on Oculus Quest, and this is the first time we've seen networked hand tracking on Quest, which is really cool. Um, and it kind of reminds me of um, when Nathy and I uh, tried the Oculus Toy Box for the first time, you know, years and years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and you were able to sort of like just make hand gestures in a rudimentary way, I guess, with the controllers back then. But we thought it was the most amazing thing mm-hmm. ever. And also kind of interact with objects and sort of share that experience with another person. It just made it way more magical. And I think, um, you know, with this experience that we're probably showing now in the video, you'll sort of understand <coughs> the magic behind it. Um, because as we're seeing more and more sort of hand tracking experiences come to Quest, uh, it's awesome to get a glimpse of what to expect with this sort of networked hand tracking feature in the future. Uh, because like, you know, ha- like hands and, and the way we move, like I'm doing it now, even without even thinking about it, the way we sort of gesture and articulate and the way uh, our, our body language uh, sort of put, 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 um, portrays what we're saying and the way we're feeling is such an important part of communication and the way we communicate as humans. And, and we do have that to a certain degree in VR, but I think controllers kind of lose the finesse of that a little bit. You know, they lose the translation yeah. a little bit. And that's also, that's also the reason why it will become so important to get facial animations in there, yes. because a lot of our direct communication is, is actually coming from our uh, facial movements and little small, small things that you won't even consciously notice but uh, you can yeah. get a lot of conversation from facial movements yeah well. absolutely and watching this like video uh, because uh, ian hamilton from upload vr did an interview uh, about it with with the creator and you know just watching them talk it it, it looks very natural and you know it flows really well and mm-hmm. and ian was saying that it was much more immersive because they had that kind of experience together um, so it kind of is just a, you know, a really interesting use case and I'm sure we're going to see it more and hopefully, you know, in the future horizon, we'll have this, uh, yeah. you know, social applications like big screen and VR chat, like we've talked about in the past, we'll, we'll have Allspace, these uh, features as well. Allspace has been using this for a very long time, you know, with leap motion. With leap motion. Um, yes. But yes. of course not everyone had a leap motion because no. you still had to plug it in. Now it's built into a headset, exactly. but, uh, it would be nice to, yeah, see that, you know, make its return and then also become like mainstream within the VR scene. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's a shame that obviously Rift, again, is, is missing out on this because I think it is a really cool uh, feature and it will make social experiences that much more immersive um, as someone that enjoys them, you know. So, so soon you're like in there, it's like, hey, you wave, it's like, oh, you're on Rift, S. You're on Rift. You're, uh, you're, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, you're you a Rift peasant now. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It, 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 it sucks. It sucks that these uh, are being sort of walled off for Quest only, but I'm sure Oculus have a big master plan for all of this. That I'm sure they're going to let us know in the future. Um, but... 
I, I'm kind of uh, intrigued, Chris. Like, what do you think of this kind of networked hand tracking? And is is this something you've ever considered uh, for sort of engage as as a platform? Yeah. So there's a couple of elements about that. Uh, one is, I mean, as awesome as hand tracking is, and it is when you first do it, it's like, wow, finally my hands are in the experience. But there is um, some issues still uh, being able to get fine tuned to hold instruments, to be able to push small buttons, things like that. Still not quite there yet, and I'm sure that's going to improve greatly over even the next six months. Uh, so to use it for training and things like that, there can be some issues there. However, like you indicated on the social side, it is a really big deal. The fact that we do talk with our hands um, conveys so much uh, beyond just the controllers where you've got the thumbs up or the finger pointing or whatever. Uh, that's a big deal. So it's going to be this balance of being able to incorporate it in a way that we can use it on the social side, but figure out how we're going to fine tune it for the more training applications. Right. And I suppose as well, it must be a big, like we talked about this on the show before, but it's a big priority. It must be a big priority for Oculus uh, for making headsets more accessible to people that are not gamers, you know, that are not familiar with like the kind of oh, controller, uh, you know, thumbsticks and buttons. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. You know, I've gone to some um, major corporations where you have a widespread of people that are learning how to operate for their first time in virtual reality. And, uh, and if you're not a gamer, if you're like, you know, 50, 60 year old, you are just struggling with those hand controllers. Uh, yeah. So that is a huge deal uh, for the the broad spectrum of people out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I can I can sort of say from demoing VR to my family, like over the Christmas period, you know, the kids uh, picked it up like instantly, you know, mm -hmm. like they were they got into it. They were playing Beat Saber. They loved it. They they played Bogo and the other sort of experiences. Uh, but then when I put like sort of older people in, you know, like my mom and and, you know, other family members, it was the controllers that was the real barrier that they struggled yeah. with. So, you know, it, it is interesting that that we might not have to deal with that so much in the future for more sort of casual experiences anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that's a little sort of look at the future potentially with uh, sort of social hand tracking multiplayer experiences. I just thought it was really cool to share, so I just wanted to sort of share it with you lot. Uh, but if you're interested, go and check out the interview with Daniel uh, and Ian Hamilton from Upload VR. I've put a link to it in the description down below. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So the next bit of news is interesting as well, and this is where some people might, might you know, I'm I'm in, oh, really interested to hear no, Rowdy's no, thoughts no. on this. Oh, okay. Here we um, go. Oh, this is, this is but bad. this 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 news originally uh, came from a tweet from Danny Bittman. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's the developer behind Color Space, which is this like super chill virtual reality coloring book experience on Quest and Rift. It's really nice and relaxing experience if you just want to chill. Forget about everything that's going on in the world right now. It's kind of a nice way to escape, uh, just coloring in uh, some some sort of landscapes. Um, but this week he tweeted something out and it kind of caught my eye and a lot of people were talking about it as well. So I thought I'd sort of discuss it on the show. But this was his tweet. I'll read it out verbatim. So he says, uh, I just had uh, my first eye doctor visit in three years. Now I'm very worried about my future VR use. I have a new eye convergence problem that acts like dyslexia. The doc headset owner is convinced my VR use caused this. He said that these glasses are usually glasses that they were prescribed to 40 year olds. And obviously he's a, a, a lot younger than that. Uh, he's 25, he, I think. Yeah. He, he continued in a, in a thread about this sort of um, experience. He said, uh, my new glasses will correct the issue. They're the kind that have slits uh, with different lenses for up close and far away. But that doesn't change the fact that my eyes degraded dramatically in the last three years. Uh, I'll say up front uh, that a previously undiagnosed condition compounded the issue. So he is sort of saying that he did have a uh, previously undiagnosed condition that 
got worse as a result of this. Uh, first off, I was diagnosed with exophoria, and this means that my eyes drift out of sync. In the last two years, it's been increasingly harder for me to read or visually concentrate my eyes on a single point in space. My eyes have been kind of jumping around more, kind of twitching as I lock onto an object. He says it's almost like my brain has gotten so used to translating a 2D image in VR into a 3D image that when I see a flat pattern outside of a headset, my eyes work really hard to perceive it as 3D. Mm. Um, he then goes further on to say that on top of my exophoria, I now have a convergence excess which is brought on by VR's vergence accommodation conflict. And this is because current VR headsets can't focus, uh, can't focus. Everything in view is in focus, which is, I think it's roughly around two meters. I think everything mm -hmm. is in focus yeah, uh, and it's on a single plane, um, which event, which he, he says essentially trains your eyes not to work properly in VR because they're just focused on one single plane and they're not very focaling like they would do in real life you know if i look over here now my eyes will focus in the distance so i look back at my screen it'll focus back on the screen and uh, you're, you're not I'm getting that say, just really quickly that 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 part is not correct uh, okay about that but continue continue yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll but, talk but, later. but yeah what he's essentially saying is that you know he's saying that because of his vr use over a prolonged period of time i think he was saying that it's up to sort of six hours a day at some points mm, that right. it's dramatically affected his eyesight and you know to the point now where he's had to have special glasses made for it for it to work for him and he kind of rounded it up saying that um he says that, you know this is his career uh, i need to work in vr to make a living but i'm going to be cutting back on his daily headset use dramatically yeah. uh, and he kind of also just gave some rough advice and just said you know take regular breaks if you're using vr regularly and if you suffer any of the symptoms that he's talked about then make sure you go and uh, sort of schedule an, an eye appointment yeah. with a doctor straight away but that's that's something you do in general right with like screens tvs everything like i don't yes. always follow the rules but even with video games mm. you know yes. i think the switch is even giving you sometimes a warning like hey yeah uh, you gotta stop for a moment because you have been playing for too long and uh, oh yeah it's a it's an important health thing i mean every 17 or 18 hours i get up and i stretch a little bit and i sit back down <laughs> 17 or 18 hours but i think this is interesting and maybe rowdy can sort of um talk a bit about it as well because there's not really been that much research that i'm aware of about how vr prolonged use of vr can affect a person because mm. it's such a new technology that we just don't have the studies in place you know or, or, or the tests in place to to record that but you know nathy you've had some issues with your eye in the past as well and i don't know if that was directly linked to vr or what it was but maybe you could talk about that as well yeah, well, that, that's interesting because when I saw that, I was like, no, no, people are going to think that uh, that I might be... Because let's say if I would have said on Twitter, like, listen, yeah, this guy, this must be the same thing, then people would go crazy because, I mean, you know, I, I have been playing so much VR, although I think six hours a day is a lot. Like, I don't play that much VR. Maybe people mm. think that I'm, like, spending my entire day in VR, but it's it's not that uh, crazy. Um, but, uh, no, like, my, my, like uh, my, my problem I had wasn't related to VR although I do have to say that if you do have problems with your eyes and you then continue to use VR mm. and that that might of course help I mean screens in general are you know for a long user not very good for you and especially if you're having a problem with your eyes then you should kind of stay away from screens that helped me to kind of recover with my uh, with my eye problems um so no okay. it's not related but i do understand that you know if you do have problems with your eyes and you continue like he did using vr it's not going to get any better either mm. so yeah so go on then, Raddy. It's going to be fun. I was going to say, there's the two science. other things here. So <laughs> go on, Raddy, you go first. Uh, well, okay, well, first of all, I'm going to say it sucks. 
course it sucks. Uh, I can imagine as, as a 25 year old who, who who's building a career in virtual reality to have an issue like that, regardless of whether it's caused by VR or not, it just sucks. So, I mean, I do feel, I do feel sorry for him, but the, the ultimate thing about this is, is that you can't draw any conclusions mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you have an N of N of one. So only one sample. You, you can't base and you can't say yes it's because of that and you also can't say no it's because because it's not because of that there's a different underlying issue the, the fact that he has an underlying eye issue makes this even more complicated because that means that you can't compare him to anyone else who's been using uh, a headset for six hours a day because you don't know what the effects of that is and there is just no research because the technology is so new that knows what the effect of that is that being said though with the with the things that we know, we do know uh, we can do predictions. Uh, so we we can we can do predictions based on, on on research that we have performed. And as far as I'm aware, all of the research that has been investigating this has not proven to a to a statistically significant way that there is a, a negative permanent effect on your eyes. That's one thing. Now, if you're using a headset six hours a day. What you will get is indeed because of the, the convergence uh, conflict that you have, the convergence, convergence accommodation conflict. Because your eyes are constantly focusing on the same distance, mm-hmm. the ciliary muscles around your, around your eyes that are pulling on the lenses to, to pull everything into focus, they will get like lazy. You know, mm. that, that, that's the thing. That, that, is an, that is not permanent, but it is something that happens even with age, you know, the, the, the lenses stiffen when you get older, so you will have a hard time focusing, you will need to wear glasses on a later age. That kind of happens to everyone. Yeah. But if, if you constantly focus on the same kind of point, your, your muscles become uh, weaker, I would mm. say, weaker. You can train them again and it will take some time in order to get them again. And that can cause like things like migraines or like that your eyes don't really focus that well anymore and you will need to wear corrective glasses and all yeah. of those things. But you can't say um, with with a sample of, of one, and because he mentioned something about a doctor who said it was convinced that there is no scientific backing for that kind of statement at all, and that kind of and I find it very dangerous to do that as well because mm. the same thing happened with linking vaccines and autism to each other. Mm. There was one doctor, his name was uh, Doctor Doctor uh, Wakefield, I believe, mm. who wrote a paper in the Lancet, which was a very famous jo- journal, linking vaccines to autism. Later, mm. that paper was retracted because it was faulty and it, it wasn't correct. And there were a hundred different groups who proved otherwise. But even up to this date, there's still a large mm. amount of people that believe that there is a link between vaccines and between autism. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I find these kind of statements, especially when, when he says a doctor made them, I find them dangerous. Because even if it's true, it could be. I'm not saying that it's not true. But there is at this moment, there is no scientific backing that can back that kind of statement up. Yeah. So I don't think you should make that kind of statement. And I think the worst thing that doctor. happened as a result of this was that somehow, I don't know how, mm. the BBC yeah. caught fire, caught wind of this tweet and then posted, yeah. like, wrote an article wait, wait, BBC. Uh, about it. The BBC. Yeah. Did, not, yeah. not Forbes. Wow. No, no, no. The BBC, <laughs> okay. a good old BBC. Nice. Uh, and and they, they gave it the headline, Developer warns VR headset damaged eyesight. Oh, <laughs> and that's, it's just, that's exactly what I mean. That's perfect. Yeah. You know, this but, is but like a little the bit, a little bit further down in the article itself. They did say then that a panel of ophthalmologists or however they're called uh, has not found any significant proof yet of 
permanent damage caused by virtual reality, uh, permanent yeah. eye damage caused by virtual reality. But I the average mum scrolling on the BBC yeah. website sees Absolutely. that and their kid wants the headset and she's <laughs> like, no chance. That's why I'm saying yeah. that, it's, that it's dangerous to, yeah. to, to, to say these kind of statements or when a, a, a media, I mean, of course, if general media picks it up, they're always going to screw up. Yeah. They always do that with science anyway. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's no difference there. I think like instead, like what Danny should have done because he has a pretty big voice in the VR scene, that he should have opened the discussion instead, you know, and say like, listen, okay, this is it. This is what I think. Uh, anyone else? Uh, let's talk about it because it, it is a good, a good topic yeah, to talk about. To a certain degree, you know? I think he did do that. I think, and the BBC certainly wrote an article without his knowledge or support. Yeah, um, but, you know, but so naming your doc- like sucks. doctor for a lot of average Joe sounds like okay, doctor mm. knows everything. But, but again, but again, <laughs> you know? like I'm gonna say it again. Using a headset for six hours a day will cause eye fatigue. You know, your eyes will probably be getting red. You will get a little bit of a headache. All of that, I think, is is is, is very plausible to happen mm-hmm. to certain amounts mm-hmm. of people. But having permanent eye damage is still a very different thing. To yeah. That. So I want to shed my on, hat on, into the ring here because um, when I first got into VR, like I, I remember, like with my hand teetering over the order for the DK2, going, like I had the conversation with the wife, like. You know, we could be part of that first batch of people who uh-huh. just three, four years down the road end up, my eyes are going to fall out. I'm going to go blind. Like, is it worth it? Right. Do, do you want, is it worth it to be a pioneer? <laughs> and I, I did have for, it was a transient effect, but for a, a good two months and then about four months into using the DK2, which again, is in the high resolution headset, I found when I was driving, uh, similar to what Rowdy described, my eyes had kind of been trained to stop caring to focus so if i was trying to you know train my eyes on car four in a line uh they would just be they were like permanently wanting to relax and it was rather like it's almost like slipping into a groove that's what i found now it was transient it didn't stick around i definitely noticed it and i absolutely attributed it to the my high number of hours in vr usage but again for me it was a transient the thing i wonder about this guy's um not just his statement, but actually his work construct, the way he describes it, is he talks about these um, kind of 3D modeling apps and things like that he's working in in VR. And, you know, they're relatively close in terms of focal distance. So when you're staring into the mirror of VR, uh, you know, you can you can uh, kind of view further into the scene. But if you're looking at the same unvaried, you know, context all the time, I wonder if that has exacerbated mm. his symptoms here that, that, that's the thing like th- this kind of this kind of thing that is happening for virtual reality headsets that constant focus on like you know th- that same focal distance it's the same thing as working on a laptop uh for like eight or nine hours a day in a work environment exactly. that's why they're saying sometimes you need to take a break yeah. get up walk yeah. around get your blood flowing through your legs again yeah. and all that kind of stuff um, but it's also for your eyes i just have one comment about that too i did notice in there he said uh that he'd been using a rift he didn't clarify that if that was a rift s or not but one of the important things is if you're using a headset that doesn't have an ipd slider you're just asking for problems i don't know what his mm-hmm. ipd is but um i know that in a rift s i can only spend 30 minutes and i'm having serious eye strain issues uh whereas i now am an index owner and I can spend five or six hours in that headset and not yeah. feel overly strained. Yeah. So, you know, depending on what headset you're using and like ZimTalk, you know, I remember there was a time period where I was using um, the gear version and I, it did it did screw my eyes up. And I literally pretty much stopped using the gear after that because I was having some real eye issues for about a 24 hour period. On the flip side, 
couple years ago, I went in and got my driver's license renewal. And for the first time, I didn't need glasses on my driver's license for whatever reason. Kind of weird, right? Yeah, there's some weird effects. And I've, I've seen reports of this in the first couple of years where this new resurgence of VR. I've seen people actually have, like who have problems with their eyes, improve it through VR almost as a muscular exercise yeah. for their eyes. Well, I have astigmatism, um, so, there are so positive... that might have something to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. People think that stigmatisms have mentioned uh, a benefit uh, after you know prolonged I usage. I couldn't believe so... it. I put my head in the little uh, machine there, and I was like, "Oh, damn! I can read that stuff." And it's like... yeah. I'd like to see the stats first before we make that kind of statement. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Rowdy, what about if? Um, so, obviously, right now it's a limitation of our headsets. You know, the the generation that we're in, we, we have this. We don't have very focal headsets yet. Although, you know, Oculus did tease them in the Half Dome yeah. sort of prototype where you'd have a very focal um, displays that would would change the focal range based on what you were looking at in uh, conjunction with eye tracking. So do you think um, that this may sort of become less of a problem in the future due to that technology, or do you think it would be just as prevalent? I'm I'm almost convinced of that because the the way our eyes work is is basically collecting light. So it's it's reflection of light that we collect uh, in our eyeballs. Uh, that generates uh, the image that we see. So the the thing with our natural world is that the way that light reflects is on all kinds of different kinds of surfaces from all different kinds of distances. And they all have different angles in which they reach our eyes. Um, but with a, with, a, with a lens and with a display, that, that display is always on the same distance from the lens. So the, the way that the light will hit your eyes will always be the same uh, distance. But if you have a very focal lens, even though you can't like shift it like two meters back, but you can you can make the, the angles uh, much more similar to what they would be in the in the real world. And I think that's a very interesting concept. And that will indeed, I think, make it much more comfortable for our eyes to be uh, wearing virtual reality headsets. And I think it's really awesome that Facebook is working on that uh, on that particular field. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I thought it was interesting uh, to talk about and certainly uh, got some discussion going there. Uh, and just want to sort of round it up by sort of saying that, you know, I wish, you know, the best to Danny Bittman and I hope he continues to develop course, uh, apps course. and games in VR and that his new glasses help uh, with his eye issues. And hopefully it is just an isolated well, case. But, if it um, is true, then I'm the first one going blind. So Well, we will be the first <laughs> ones. Yeah, 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 exactly. So if we're blind on the show, then, you know, that's, that's when you know we've got a problem. <laughs> Um, so the last bit of news uh, this week is just a reminder, really, uh, to tune into the VR showcase from Upload VR, uh, which is going to take place on Tuesday, the sixteenth of uh, June next week, eight uh, thirty a.m. Mm. Pacific time. Uh, so if you're in the UK like me, that's four thirty p.m. UK UK time, five thirty p.m. Europe. Not sure what time it is in Canada. Uh, sorry, Rowdy. I felt like I've left you out again. <laughs> I'll figure that. Uh, yeah, um, but you'll be able to watch the event uh, live uh, on Upload VR's uh, YouTube channel. It's also going to be on IGN, which is awesome, and the Summer Game Fest, which is also awesome, which is going to be hosted by Jeff Keeley. Um, and you can also check it out in VR in big screen as well, just like this fine show. Uh, there's going to be loads of really cool VR game announcements and trailers, including the new game from Fast Travel Games, uh, Wrath. The Oblivion Afterlife, uh, which they teased this week. Uh, we've got Vertigo remastered, the original Vertigo games being remastered. So our first look at that. Lo-Fi, like I mentioned earlier, mm. and Solaris. So uh, make sure you um, put this in, in your in your calendar. And what are, uh, what are you guys like? What, what would you like to to have? I I, I would like to see a Mars two. 
if that's the thing or, or maybe yeah, a would, DLC like story something but uh, that would be nice can, can I say something completely sure. unrealistic okay go on prototype VR okay <laughs> yeah that was a classic game it was a good game yeah something with super yeah. superpowers where you're a bit of a bad guy yeah it's kind of nice uh, but yeah, like I would be so down for a Moss too. Like we're overdue that game like mm. so long. You know, I, I love Moss yeah. so so much. I I really like every now and again I keep thinking that I just want to go back and play it again. I'm thinking about doing it on a live stream, but it's kind of like an old <laughs> game, so I might just do it for myself. But um, what about you? Any other sort of wants, needs from you guys? I'm need burnt out at this stage. I don't know. I just like uh, this year. <laughs> I, I'll just take whatever they can give me. You know, like I, yeah. I'm I'm probably going to be happy. <laughs> As I have been for the last kind of like six, eight months now, we've just had a pretty constant stream of good stuff. So, yeah. you know, give me whatever. Um, I think the thing that I'm worried about isn't this event and the unveiling. It's are we still going to have the same kind of steady trickle that we've had, you know, six months, eight months from now? Or are we going to yeah. start to see a dent because of everything that's happened mm. because yeah. of the slowdown and then that catching up with mm. us news wise? So I'm hoping that the spill now doesn't reduce the flood let's mm. say pre-christmas yeah because i, I no. always like that buzz i like that release pattern yeah i, I saw that uh oh backdoor wonks in the chat said command and conquer vr oh god <laughs> i would i would really like a game like that yeah they just released the remaster and i've been enjoying that as well so yeah something like that in vr would be epic um but yeah, like, you know, at least we know for sure that we're going to get some good VR news from this yeah. event, you know, whereas the PS5 event was a bit hit and miss. Mm. Uh, we, wasn't, we, wasn't, we weren't sure and we didn't get it in the end. So, uh, yeah, make sure it's in your diary. Uh, 16th of June, 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. And of course, we'll be talking about all the announcements uh, on next week's show. So I'm, stay tuned I'm, for I'm, that. I'm curious, is there anything, uh, anything you would want, Chris? I know you're also in the um, PC Master Race space, but I'm curious, like, yeah. what does a man like you look for? For, you for me, it, lately, it's really been, I want more multiplayer games. Even when I'm playing something like Half-Life, it's like, I want to be in here with my friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like a well, I don't have any, experience. so I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> 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 Why yeah. do you think he moved to Canada? <laughs> although, although, to be fair, I, I would just say don't get your hopes up for Oculus tiles because they're likely going to hold them uh, for their own event, which is yeah. going to be uh, Oculus Connect. Oh, but I, I, I see what Chris is talking about. You know, when when you're playing Half Life and these headcrabs are chasing you, you it would be so nice to just grab this headcrab and just throw it at your friend, like, hey, here, yes. Uh, yes. do yeah. something with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure yeah. we'll see that from the community, giving them time. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see that from the community. That's going to be amazing when that happens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is all the news this week. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, wow. But now it's time to talk to our uh, special guest, Chris Madsen. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, maybe uh, you should start by um, just giving us uh, like a bit of a background uh, about, you know, what you do and your role uh, at Engage and, and VR Immersive Education. Yeah, so um, I'm doing business development right now for the North American uh, area. And, uh, you know, a lot of my day is consisting of educating people about virtual reality, um, showing them what it's all about, especially collaboration in virtual reality, and uh, helping people figure out how they're going to use it for their business, how they're going to use it in their classrooms or remote education. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of education part of that right now and getting people uh, to figure out how they're going to actually use this. So in my line of work, I deal with a lot of people that are quite frankly unfamiliar with VR. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but um, 
A lot of people think VR could be a 2D experience as well. You're hearing VR being thrown out in all kinds of ways. Uh, you know, Verbella is yes. 2D, uh, Second Life is 2D, and people just assume that that's virtual reality. And when they come to us saying, hey, let's do a virtual reality thing, their expectation in many cases is that it is going to be 2D. And I get to have the opportunity to say, oh, man, you wait until you try this. This is far beyond 3D. Uh, so a lot of education going on right now with that. It it's funny you mentioned that because I had this exact experience that I'd been making videos on YouTube uh, for a while and a colleague of mine at work had, you know, caught a few of my videos every now and again. And, you know, he was a casual gamer. And then I invited him around one day uh, to try it. And it blew his mind that it was in 3D. And that he, d again, it just didn't correlate from him watching the content that I was making that it actually had any depth to it. <laughs> and I was, so I think that is a problem with VR that has to be addressed. And I know like, you know, certain degree with live, you know, like the mixed reality videos that people kind of get an idea that you're actually in the game. But still, like people don't necessarily understand that the content is 3D and has real depth to it. Yeah. yeah One of my little sticks that I do if I'm like doing a Zoom screencast or something with someone getting a demo that doesn't have the VR yet is I'll get down and I'll crawl under a virtual table. I'll say, I'm physically getting down on my hands and knees and crawling under the table. And look, there's the gum stuck underneath the table. Then they're kind of going, wait, what? You know, then they start to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So like right now, obviously, with the, the pandemic going on, like mm. prior to this, were you actually visiting schools and businesses personally or was it all kind of remote work? Um, yes, uh, in some cases we were going out uh, and physically visiting, uh, much like, you know, going to conferences and things like that. Uh, I will say even before the pandemic, uh, I was getting to a point where I'd be up giving a talk at a conference and saying, guys, I really shouldn't be doing this. I mean, you know, I missed my one of my flights. I got up at four in the morning to come do this conference. There's so many reasons why conferences aren't a great idea. And so much of this could be done in virtual reality. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, man, um, since the pandemic, business is off the charts. Everybody's trying to figure out how to do things digitally to connect person to person in lots of different digital ways. And our phones are ringing off the hook, just like I imagine anybody in this space's phones are ringing off the hook. And people need solutions. They're desperate for solutions. They're really struggling um, shifting things up. So, you know, it's great that folks like us can provide these solutions where we can be present together despite our geophysical location. That's really magic. I look at that as it's a level up for hu the way humans communicate, you know? Telephones were great. We could now broadcast our voice from person to person. But now that we can actually share experiences together, that's a whole yeah. different level, man. That's definitely a level and, up. And that's something that uh, that's something that we've said already for for quite a while on the podcast as well. It's like something that I would really enjoy myself, and I know Zim uh, said that a couple of times as well. It's like having your own virtual office, like literally like a virtual work environment with like a whiteboard and yeah. giant screens where you can just work on and do the, the regular thing you would do if you go into you know the office yeah uh, having that in your home environment and just putting your headset on when you when you wake up in the morning and going to work it would be awesome to do something like that instead of like uh uh taking the bus for like 45 minutes or mm -hmm. taking a train and heading to work uh, and, and i think this this pandemic has indeed shown that you know there are there are like there is a question for that you know, the, the people want a solution for that. Yeah. 
so I, I do hope that something like that starts like rolling out after this it, as well. It's so cool. You know, I actually do have a persistent office on Engage and it's just an amazing office because I get to decorate it with things that are important to me, you know, like I've got our yeah. little HTC statues over there and I've got, you know, this <laughs> oak tree that's in this poem that Caitlin Krauss put together for a friend of mine that passed away. You can really, you know, just make it the way you want it. And I've got this awesome samurai sword that's on the wall behind me. And when guests come in, I'll reach up and pull the samurai sword off that one of our educators uses in one of his lessons. And I'll hand it to him and let him swing it around. It's, I've got the sword of Democles hanging in the corner of my office. How cool is that, you know? And it's persistent. Yeah. It's always there. You can come in and decorate and it just stays the way you want it. You've got computer monitors and giant screens that can rise out of the floor. It's great. <laughs> It I like the, like the permanent factor of that as well. Like we were talking about last uh, last podcast, I mentioned uh, Peerhead Arcade and and getting one of those um, circus machines where you have the little hand grabby hand that you know goes down, yeah. grabs the stuffed animal. And I, I'd gotten the stuffed animal for my daughter, or something, and I had it on the side. But then knowing that I could go back and go back to that stuffed animal, like it had meant something, like I'd earned it. And years ago, that was what, and the reason I still think. Minecraft is such a big deal because it, although it's digital, you have to put real work and effort in mm -hmm. to get the thing. And that's what I think that like Oculus uh, in Oculus Home, they did so well. And, and I would compare it against maybe uh, Steam VR Home in that objects are of a set scale. They're a fixed thing. They're in a place. They're still there when you come back. Yeah. Um, and, and when you get one, uh, it's yours. You know, you keep that and you're able to deploy it or play it around with friends. And you can even have friends come and mess your room up, right? Yeah. And they're like, ah, at least they got a button to reset exactly. it. You know? But there, there's something about that that I think we're all itching for yeah. and just like looking for that environment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, you know, because a lot of these businesses probably just thought, oh, you know, this virtual reality remote collaboration is going to be in the future. Like, we'll just deal with it, you know, in the future when it happens. And it's kind of been forced upon them now in this current climate, you know, so they have to, you know, take notice and actually do some research into it. Um, so, like, how how has that sort of affected, like, Engage as a platform? Like, you know, you said that the phones are off the hook right yeah. now. You must be crazy busy. Yeah. Um, but it must also be difficult because getting hold of headsets is difficult as well right now, right? So it is. Although the demand is high, getting the technology to actually use it is very hard to get hold of. It is a challenge, you know. It is hard to get their hands on headsets. Uh, I'll tell you, Pico has been pretty amazing. Pico's doing a great job at getting headsets out there, and that's a great business solution. You can brand those headsets, and it's really made for the enterprise sector. Um, right. Quest obviously have been very difficult to get a hold of. Um, and a lot of folks are starting that engagement on 2D monitors, right? We support the PC and, and very soon you're hearing it here first. Uh, we're going to be supporting all the Android standalones uh, and that includes cell phones, right? I've got Engage running on my cell phone, some prototypes of that and it's awesome. So a lot of folks are going to be entering VR from their monitors uh, uh, to start with until they can get their hands on headsets. Right. And I think, you know, from looking at the website, you've got like an onboarding process where businesses can try it out for free right now. Right. And then if you're a super large enterprise, then, you know, there must be a subscription model in place. Or yeah. So there's similar. some uh, free. You can have a pro version for free and, and sample out all the different tools. And then we have all kinds of options for enterprise users and education, you know, K through 12 and higher education where they can just uh, give us a shout. and We'll work something out with them where we give them, you know, a free ride for 30 days and let them see what it's all about. Yeah, that's nice. And in terms of like, say, like education, for an example, like, you know, universities, would they then encourage their students 
to go and source a headset or like how does that work you know that kind of remote education aspect yeah much like a textbook right i mean the fact that we can have six off for four hundred dollars is mind-blowing to me i mean we've come down from two thousand to four hundred now you're talking textbooks range right so right now yeah. it's not necessarily the cost that's the barrier anymore it's just getting your hands on a headset uh, for higher education we're seeing a lot of use cases where not only are teachers exploring how to give classes uh, over distance. And in a lot of cases, they might even use Engage and do a YouTube stream from inside Engage because there is something compelling about the body language and being able to pull out mm. those 3D objects and stuff. Um, so just, uh, and, and they're doing a lot of special projects in higher education as well. K through 12, what's awesome is uh, you can use Engage not only to do classes uh, and consume uh, these classes, but also learning how to create within virtual reality because we're at that stage, right? We're in the Minecraft generation where kids need to learn the skills to create in 3D because that's the future. And so Engage gives them the opportunity to build things and build environments and use editors and dope sheets and, and timelines and all these things to, to create in and get a really good taste of how to do that. Yeah, because I remember a while ago, I think it was about a year ago, we jumped in, uh, I think three of us jumped into Engage yes. and we had a look around and there was like a, a, a lecture theater and we could draw on the whiteboards and we could take the the, the, the pew and do a little presentation <laughs> if we wanted to. And then I remember we went outside and we, we sat on a bench and someone launched <laughs> it into space and that was crazy. I don't think that anyone, you know, that was just an experimental the, thing. But just the, There was a fun. bit of a problem though, because we just had a live stream from your office and apparently it was completely on fire. Chris, uh, oh, I don't know shoot. what happened there. <laughs> Do you guys actually have that footage? Yeah, we yeah, had it yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope the cat is still alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. But uh, so, like, we, we, sorry, but it's 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 very like you know what I think is very interesting is that if you are a teacher and who like who wants to teach in VR, it can create its own like you know lessons. Yes. And just be like, okay, this is the subject for this week. Uh, let's say it's about dinosaurs. Yeah. And it's like okay, these are the dinosaurs I need. This is the environment I need. Uh, maybe even things that are custom that needs to be created. But yeah. the tools you use in Engage are super easy to get into, and I think that's awesome. So you could really, you know, make something interactive. Well, yeah, a textbook it's really the, usually, you know, a dinosaur doesn't pop out of a textbook. You yeah, know? it's really the evolution of PowerPoint, right? And that's the goal is to get it as easy to use as a mm. PowerPoint presentation. Um, my background is behavioral science, which I did for 20 years before I made the leap into uh, virtual reality. And so I don't have that background of being a creator, a digital creator. Uh, so for me to be able to, I remember uh, creating my first experience. I have this 4D experience where it's a BBC um, underwater experience on a 2D screen. And then I have all the sharks and fish and all these things coming out of the screen into the audience. And it, the fact that I was able to do that with my limited skill set was like revelatory for me. I was like, wow, if I can do this, then any educator can do this. They just need to take the time to learn it. And it's not that difficult. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we've also seen the likes of HTC use Engage recently for their sort of presentation, right? Yeah, so that's been a bit of a, a little bit of a pivot for us because we've always been big on the training, education, and being able to communicate uh, with the employees and whatnot. Uh, and we've always done events, but m the fact that everybody has to take these larger scale events online now too, um, it's uh, that is probably our biggest request at this time is the event sector. And so mm, HTC right. reached out to us because 
they were looking at having to cancel their big event in China, right? So they reached out to us and we put that together in like within two weeks. It was a crazy amount of work, uh, but it was amazing because we were able to take the speakers such as Alvin Wang Grayland, uh, president of HTC Vive China. Uh, we were able to take him, do a recording of him, and then add all these amazing 3D elements to his talk. Like, uh, you know, you'd have, um, um, you know, um, a train. You remember that, the story of the late 1800s, how people saw their first motion picture of this train that was approaching the screen. And the fable, the story goes that people were jumping out of their chair to avoid the train. So we were able to bring that train back in and have it, you could hear it coming, you could see the smoke coming from behind the scene, and it bashes through the screen and people in the audience are like, what is going? It was so compelling and so much fun to do that. Or Peter Diamandis uh, gave a talk there and he was able to have Socrates appear on top, on the stage with him and interact with Socrates and Greek columns rising from the floor. It was just so much fun. Again, beyond yeah. the PowerPoint. Absolutely. So like Engage is kind of like that kind of education platform. You know, you've got you kind of where you can meet up and co-collaborate remote work and things like that together in the application. But you, there's also another part of the business, isn't there, which is the VR immersive education side, That's right. um, which is which Although they're under the same company, it's kind of separate. Is that right? Yeah. So, well, it is all the same company. And the way it's worked out, Mike, is, you know, we're very well known for the Apollo 11 experience, right? Absolutely, that was yeah. like came out very early on. I think that was even running on the DK1, maybe, if I recall correctly. It was very early and very beloved title. And that did the company very well. That was kind of the launch. That was a Kickstarter title and it did super well. Then we went on to do Titanic. Berlin Blitz, which I've heard you guys talk about many times. Great yeah, title. My favorite. And well, soon yeah. to be released, uh, Shuttle Commanders coming out for the PC as well, which we're excited about. So those have been doing the company very well, while all this time we've been working in the background on Engage and finally left early access, uh, I think about a year and a half ago. And yeah. here we are today. And the way I kind of like envisage the future of this kind of both these platforms together and how they could potentially merge in the future is like, you know, you have like a platform like Engage, but you then take that classroom of kids and then take them to the Titanic, for example, together as a group, yes. you know, and then, you know, because I know like the VR immersive education mantra is kind of learning through experience. Right. And I think, you know, it, it's so important. I think it will be a huge business in the future. Um, but just that idea that, you know, if you went to school as a kid, you know, I hated reading yeah. like textbooks as a kid, like, you know, I, although I had a good imagination, I, I just was bored. But if a teacher said, look, here's a headset, we're going to learn about the Titanic. We're on a Titanic with all my friends and we're there and we're talking to each other. And then the Titanic actually hits the iceberg and I experience the panic of everything around me. And, you know, you will mm. never forget that experience no, you because you, you would no. you would learn it from actually experiencing it like yeah. i said like the mantra exactly yeah. i don't know if you guys have seen this we actually worked with the oxford professors and there's this one professor that's giving a lecture about venus right and at one point he's like he opens this portal up to venus in the bodleian library right and it's so hot on the surface of venus you can actually look down on the ground and see the surface of venus from actual shots from probes back in like the 70s or 80s i can't remember and the whole library just catches on fire it's like we're burning down the oxford bodleian library like you said, you don't forget experiences like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are like the ones who create like the magic school bus, but make makes yes. it like a reality. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Like if I think about like uh, me trying the Titanic VR experience, it's like 
I know exactly what I, what it was all about and what I did. Well, you know, I watched a lot of documentaries about Titanic, but I, I don't know half of it anymore. But the fact that I feel like I was like a passenger of the Titanic yeah. uh, mm-hmm. is like, that's something that is usually not possible. And that's why it sticks because yeah. it's so unique on itself. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you've got Quest uh, support in the pipeline. Um, you know, what what are the sort of, sort of like the bigger challenges that you're kind of like aiming for in the future, if you can maybe talk about a few yeah. of those? So we already do support Quest. Uh, mo- I would say half okay. of our users right now are Quest users. So we support all the major headsets right now. But, you know, now we're going to be supporting phones and things of that nature. Um, right. So really going forward for us, it's um, helping people solve these solutions of the fact that they have to work remotely with each other, helping uh, schools figure out how they're going to do remote education. I think homeschooling uh, is going to be a, a VR should be a part of all homeschooling uh, programs, I think. And uh, really refining what's awesome is now that we're getting all of this attention, it really gives us this great opportunity to refine our tools to specifically what people need to be doing. Um, Mm -hmm. We always say that one thing we want to do in VR when we're talking about collaboration is we need to at least capture the important elements that make real life face to face contact. We need to be able to reproduce that accurately and not lose that. And at the same time, give us tools that can go beyond what we can do in real life. Let me give you an example of that. We have a a recording, a spatial recording feature on Engage where we could all be meeting in in VR right now. I could hit that recording button and capture us all spatially, rewind time essentially, and step right back into our meeting as though we were there the original first time. And I could walk around you guys, I can walk around my own body, which that makes things really compelling because now what that allows teachers to do is stand up in their headset, give their lecture, and they can spatially capture that and then put that up as a lesson or take it into our editor and then add all those 3D elements around themselves. Awesome. Awesome. Like when, when, when you when you think about it, like the way it could change, like the future, when you think of like, you know, 10, 20 years time, you know, and, you know, it feels like you're really paving the way for the future right now, you know, setting the foundations in. But when you think about like 20 years time from now, you know, what could be possible or what could people be doing, particularly in like poorer countries where people maybe it's too dangerous to travel to school or mm-hmm. it's too expensive to travel to school. And, and you can get this amazing, amazing education from home from maybe some of the world's best teachers. And you're all yes. sort of logging in remotely. You know, it really becomes very, very exciting. And, you know, this whole prospect of like Ready Player One, you know, being in school in VR as well yeah, is also yeah. a very exciting prospect as well. True. Yeah, we, we just did the, this week. Uh, we worked w- with River, I mentioned earlier, their photogrammetry specialist, and they did a class and we had so much feedback of saying this is the best night school we've ever done, where we actually took the pieces that they made into photogrammetry, we brought those into Engage, we were able to scale those up to life size and literally walk around and use the camera system with you know 50 other people in the room to show the proper angles of where you need to take these pictures and how you use the drone to fly around and actually bring in a drone to do the flights. And you know that's hands-on. You're not gonna get that in any other medium that you can actually get those angles and do it properly. And, it was a 90 minute class and, and it was just mind blowing for everybody. So, nice. so what, what um, if, uh, what if a, a, a consumer wants to try engage, uh, what can they, let's say do, do they need to go to your website and check yes. out events or 
So they'll go to www.engagevr.io and you can get started right away. Register with an account, uh, get in there for free. Keep an eye on the website for different events that are happening throughout the week. Uh, we've got an awesome talk show that's coming up uh, where they're going to show off some really cool 360 videos that are intermingled with 3D objects. It's kind of a mix of the two that really creates some magic. Um, so keep an eye on the calendar for those sorts of events. And mm -hmm. every Wednesday, our Irish team, uh, does a tour and shows you how to use the oh. product and the different features in there. So definitely hop mm -hmm. in for a tour of that as well. Okay. And if you are a business, you should just, uh, you know, uh, call. Give or... us, we got a little form right there on the webs, web, website uh, that you can fill out and okay. I or my European counterparts will be giving you a shout. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And the last thing I want to sort of ask before we sort of round, move on to sort of game releases this, this week is uh, what's kind of like the, been the most interesting use cases of the Engage platform so far that you've seen? Um, you know, something that's really sort of like creative use case. Creative use case. I think the photogrammetry one I just mentioned, but even, uh, you know, like having a NASA representative come and not only take us up the Saturn V and give us all of those backstories that you never hear from anywhere. And you mentioned earlier, that's one of the key things is being able to have actual professionals that have stories behind what they're teaching is so powerful. Um, yeah. The fact that we can create a fire experience, like we just did that one that you guys obviously took a look at where, uh, you're running around and you're actually trying to put out fires and you're feeling that adrenaline rush, which is so important to training. You want that adrenaline because you need to learn to work through that adrenaline feeling, right? That's part of training. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and, you know, we're working with uh, Stanford right now on bringing in these amazing cadaver pieces where they're doing these um, instructions on the body. Uh, just so much happening behind the scenes right now that we're looking forward yeah. at revealing more of that as time goes on. Yeah, I can't wait for the next uh, VR immersive education piece because, you know, I was a big fan of uh, the Berlin Blitz. It's still one of like those standout experiences that, you, you know, you'll never forget. So fun. If you go and check so it out. So cool. And if you haven't, check, you know, go check it out. It's free. You know, it's yeah. on Steam. It's on Oculus. Uh, it's, it's an amazing mm. one-off experience. Yeah. Uh, thank um, you very much, Chris. On, uh, uh, Chris, could you maybe uh, quickly refresh your video? Yeah, you just need to turn it on and off. Uh, that's, that's it. Yeah, I think uh, we had a bit of a switcheroo because uh, Rowdy's <laughs> internet is... Is, yeah. is, <laughs> isn't that great um but yeah that was super interesting uh i really really appreciate you uh coming on the show and, and talking with us about engage and, and vr immersive education i think it's a fascinating topic and uh you know i'm sure we'll be talking about it again in the future so to have you on again you know in the future for a follow-up would be really interesting i think yeah. great mm -hmm. um, to have you guys out sometime absolutely absolutely <laughs> always up for trying something uh, unique in vr for sure uh so now uh let's hand it over to zim for uh, the latest releases uh, that maybe we can look forward to uh, next week. I know we've got a few updates uh, rather than straight up releases. So in, in oh, there's releases to too. Oh, there's interesting. <laughs> okay, let's go for it. Uh, a few that I'm going to have a go at. Um, but yeah, okay, thank you. So um, releases for this week. Uh, I've got three to, to talk you through. The first one's quite a colorful one. Actually, having kind of dovetailed from Engaged into this, I think is kind of perfect. So first one's Ecosphere. Uh, this landed last week on the 7th of June uh, on both Quest and Go. Uh, it's a free title, actually, and if you're a fan of things like um, uh, those Earth titles uh, done by the BBC, this is an uplifting documentary series uh, by the award-winning studio Foria in partnership with the Worldwide Fund for Nature, the WWF, uh, although to me that's still <laughs> Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Um, 
Silverback, Silver, Silverback Films and Oculus. Uh, so you can check out a few different things in this. As I said, if you've got a go or a quest, you can go to the Jungles of Borneo, Savannas of Kenya, or dive into Raja Ampat. Uh, and this, this kind of sets out to redefine the limits of what is possible with 3D 180. Seen a couple of things that are good on this, um, but this looks particularly stunning in terms of its uh, cinematics. So that's Ecosphere, and that's mm. uh, the first of our releases. Is this out. A, free. a paid app? Did, free, say it's actually. Free? Yeah, free on uh, both wow. Quest and Go. Yeah. So nice. Yeah, good one. Do you get I, again, David I think it's Attenborough's uh, voice with it. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, Rowdy. What, what Rowdy said. Yeah, exactly. No, but I, I, like what, what I think is very really cool about this is that you can start, you know, uh, you know, traveling in VR instead uh, and use this because right now you can't just step into a plane. So I think this is, this is great. Yeah, I, I actually really like and, and I, I know I wasn't very talkative, Chris, during your bit, but um, that that feeling of like not only the um, emotional bond that you get like you've probably checked out some of the bbc experiences as well you know going to space mm. being in the boat with refugees nothing it just doesn't leave you i mean fair enough when i was you know a student uh, i didn't have things like ecosphere or an engage platform or remote learning any of this kind of stuff just wasn't even there all i had was you know a break backing load of textbooks i remember you know them mm. the, the <laughs> calling the doctors be like how many textbooks can we legally allow these kids to carry, you know? And and I st I'm just glad that that era is slowly phasing out. So yeah. that is that. Next one, um, this one, I'm I'm actually curious if uh, if 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 our host has uh, has checked this out already. Crisis Brigade Two is landing. Ninth uh, of June, it it dropped, but I say is landing because this is still in early access. Quite an exciting upgrade. Uh, if you ever wanted to be a SWAT force person taking down some terrorists, and I'd say now is about that time, um, then Crisis Brigade 2 is quite an excitable... Um, it's kind of, I hate to call it a wave shooter, but I don't know how to describe it otherwise. It's kind of an arcade. It brings you back to those arcade cabinets of like Time Crisis. You know, when you had the plastic little gun and you were, you know, blasting away. Uh, it really feels that way. And, you know, I'd played this on SideQuest before. It's still available there. You can get the original game, which I think you can play even co-op. Uh, this one at the moment is available for PC VR. It's $16, um, and, and I know Mike in particular has spoken very highly of this one. Um, you know, Mike, is, do you want to say anything about the, the sequel um, and what you expect from it? Yeah, so I, I've actually played the sequel. Um, I, I actually preferred the aesthetic of the original one. I liked the cartoony uh, graphics of the original one, and I think, you know, being a bit more realistic um, doesn't really do it uh a favor i think especially in this current climate i know they got yeah. a lot of backlash uh being a police shooter where you're shooting uh you know people whether it be terrorists or criminals whoever it may be it's it's not a hot topic right now so um you know i think their timing of releasing it probably wasn't great and i think you know they were they probably would have benefited having to hold off a little bit longer yeah. um having said that though i do like the arcadey uh nature of it it does feel like time crisis in vr um and it it, it is good it is really hard it's challenging very very challenging you will be uh on your knees mm. and like you know squatting down to avoid incoming fire and it's you're gonna have a real tough time of it on your hands to get through the uh the the missions because they're all but, timed of course as well but it makes yeah. a good use out of your play space like there are a lot of titles yep. that are just standing experiences and you can just use your thumbstick to move around but this one is yeah. like you know a good cover shooter yeah, yeah in exactly. that sense yeah um but you know i haven't 
played, you know, a lot of this sequel, but just from like my first impressions, I preferred the aesthetic of the original, being yeah, more cartoony and more lighthearted. It, it reminded it remind, your your analogy there kind of reminds me of when the Tower, which is a game that was almost it was quite an indie game that launched on the Steam tower. some time ago, where you would stand on a platform <laughs> and there were a variety of obstacles, trees, saw blades, hey, arrows hey, being hey, shot hey. at you. <laughs> it was again quite cartoony in the in the initial game, and then the sequel the went sequel, yeah. serious, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's funny because it's almost like the uncanny valley of these experiences that I feel like once you step past a certain point of disbelief and it becomes that little bit real, it steps you back almost out of the immersion again because you're kind of like, ah, oh, this is a bit too close to real life. And yeah. it's funny which titles uh, actually um, drive that. Like, I don't find that problem with, like, a Euro Truck Simulator but, or any of the driving games, but certainly for something like this, I, I can see that. I, I think it has also something to do with developers being not that experienced yet, where um, in, in your mind you would think, okay, I go from, you know, simple visuals because, I mean, the first... Uh, a crisis game was maybe cheaper to make because they use certain assets and then with the next one they're like mm, maybe we should make it uh, you know look more real better visuals better graphics because that's what gamers yeah. want because that's kind of the I think the idea they had where it's like okay we they don't want to have these blocky characters running around um, so yeah I think that's why that's why it, it's looking more realistic now but as Mike said this is not this is not the timing to you know be releasing stuff like this yeah 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 very good on to our third title so um, this one which Nathan mentioned in the intro <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could bear I could shoot. barely not break a smile on this uh, <laughs> myth a frozen tale which he said landed on quest uh, it is 299 in dollars uh, 229 in pounds from Walt Disney Animation Studios, dropped on the 11th of June. So this gives you an idea, and and wonderfully, uh, because it's an eight-minute feature, uh, the trailer gives you one-eighth of the full like, <laughs> actual experience. Well, it does. It like the the highlights you see here. That's actually what you are, you know, experiencing most in of the, the time. Yeah. So, like you said, it's it is the, it appears to be the first Disney animation feature, and it's kind of their first step, which is why it surprises me a little bit in the reactions that I'm seeing to it. It's akin to Coco. If you haven't seen Coco, which was by Magnopus, yep. kind of a similar kind of entry point into into uh, animation in VR. Um, so, so let me just describe it for anyone who missed the intro and is is with us just now. Eight minutes, three sixty, Disney, sixed off. Frozen. So uh, I just want to say that if those words don't get you excited, well, you're listening to the. <laughs> if those words do get you excited, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Fifty-six um, percent of the reviews are three stars or lower. Thirty-three yeah. percent are one star. Oh. And I had to highlight this wonderful uh, bit of feedback from Oculus Home user Jay Tubrit, who writes: Even if it were free, I wouldn't bother. And it says, for a Disney production, this is a pretty sad effort in so many ways. I'm really curious to hear Nathie's backstep on this. Um, seems at times FOV rendering is covering everything. The quality drops so much. And whoever thought it would be a good idea to dim the environment if a viewer is not looking in the correct direction has no clue about art direction, mm. directional sound, or storytelling. It's all such a random bunch of ideas pushed together with no art direction. And it says... About the only thing that's positive I can say is the voiceover and music sounded fantastic. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, the directionality seems like no, a real problem yeah, no, by design. And I know feedback. you mentioned it, Nathan. Yeah, like, yeah. How, no. how bad is that? Can you describe that a little bit more for us? Like, 
No, it, it like like um, from the start, you know, you're looking around. You're like, okay, uh, what what's going on? Because it dims. It's not going completely black, but mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. dims. But I, I think the you know the, the the person who worked on this was was very scared that people would not see yep. the thing he worked on. Uh, and and since this is as I said a 360 that plays around you, but not plays around you in a way where it's everywhere. Now it you need to follow it with your eyes and. This is kind of like forcing people to do that because if if this wasn't there, then yes, people would be like looking at the wrong thing, uh, and that's where you know audio comes in place because the sounds and if you have a good pair of headphones, it really guides you. So if if he would have you know worked more on that aspect, then you know because you know it's not only about you know what you see, but it's also what you hear, and we we have seen so many experiences in the past that you know guide you with. The, the sounds but as i said this is like a a project that they get to work on and get to learn uh, about maybe this is not the right platform to you know release it straight away um, but this is someone who is getting into the vr scene gets to uh, make something and then get to release it because i saw uh, on linkedin a post of him being super proud you know like this is a big step for me i, I made something that is now you know publicly available so yeah, I, I feel like the with this one, like the learning curve that this person got to get into, I think is good. But it, the question is, should consumers uh, experience mm. that too? Um, so especially uh, because it's, it's paid, you know, I think that's the especially problem here. when it's paid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's only three bucks, but yeah. we're relearning lessons that seem to have already been taught by experiences like Henry yeah. previously. That you think if you're gonna create something especially with big brand names behind yeah, no, it i mean disney yeah. and but oculus it, and others like why why wouldn't you go kind of do your homework on those titles and then imbue that i yeah, am yeah. really surprised yeah. because we don't see this a lot where yeah. you you take away the magic of vr you know to an extent but i understand it, as a film creator or a cinematographer you're like look at this part mm. but i love that the reviewers are kind of calling it out and saying there are other ways I'm, to I, actually like, incent people th- to look at the scene that you want them to I think, see. I think the problem here is that this this guy who made this should get an audience to show this to and get feedback. Exactly. But because it's Walt Disney, a very big company, and even that is an understatement, uh, like Facebook cannot say no. It's like they are like, we want to publish this on your store. Like, who is going to say to uh, Disney, But don't right? you so, think it's the other way around? Like, I always mm. thought, like, seeing this, because you see Oculus kind of grabbing a few big names and tagging it. I thought Oculus would have reached out to Disney and said, hey, uh, you know, can you do something? And then they would put some money against it, yeah. build this project, and launch it. Because it's Maybe, not launching anywhere the, else. No, no, no. I'm saying it that way because uh, Facebook is usually the one that is very tight with quality control. And we have seen that in the past. And that's why I'm saying it. Because ah, if okay. they would just look at this... From a general standpoint, without mentioning point. Disney, I don't think they would have approved it. So, mm, yeah, interesting. I see your point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, L Bagdell Wonk in the chat says, uh, "Just let it go." <laughs> Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> Mike, can you add a bit of harmony to that? Can you just uh, can you walk us through the song, please? Let it go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I really like that name, by the way, because it's knowledgeable written backwards. El Bagdawak? Yeah. He's, he's one of our guys. <laughs> I just realized that. It's amazing. <laughs> That's an amazing name. Exactly. Uh, so those are the three releases. Uh, Ecosphere, Crisis for Grade, for grade and, uh, and A Frozen Tale. 
which is Myth, the Quest uh, exclusive. I, I find that a very odd set of releases this week. They're, mm. they're very much clashing and for very different audiences. Uh, so that theme is, is there. But there are a few, as Mike mentioned, uh, key updates that have come to existing titles. Uh, one of which, which will get, I hope, Chris foaming at the mouth, although I know he's already bitten into that oh, stake. Yeah, and and this, is, uh, this is No Man's Sky. So if you don't know Chris already, he's a No Man's Sky guy. Um, and as we were talking up No Man's Sky last, last podcast, why not do it again now? So there is, as he mentioned at the, at the intro, true cross-platform multiplayer just been patched in since the 11th of june seems like a lot happened on the 11th of june um so xbox one players ps4 players and pc all can explore and journey together and like this is what we've wanted for so long i remember getting on pc and i had a friend who was on ps4 and we couldn't play and then i'm like oh shoot am i gonna go buy an extra copy of the game to play on playstation i did but um you know that's like that's pain i'm glad we don't have to do now and the other thing of this is they've actually made some VR enhancements along the way with this patch as well. So I thought I'd talk those out. So aside from the new networking, which is great, um, and the fact that they coin, you know, coincided with this release, if you are a, an Xbox slash Windows 10 uh, Game Pass owner, this game is now available. So you can go pick up a copy of this game for the first time. Mm-hmm. There's loads of people on that. Uh, and go and play with a bunch of other players. And actually, if you're playing with players on other platforms, their names will show up with like a special tagging uh, that shows you if they're on your network or on a different network Mm. as well. So you can see that. And then Rowdy will be happy about this one, the thing that caught my eye. You remember the uh, the cockpit door and that handle? Well, before you could only open it a certain way. Now you can open it with your hand the other way around. Hey, we got it. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Sweet satisfaction in that, I think. So I'm curious, Chris. You've been banking hours, obviously, into this in the back time. What are what are people should what, what should we be excited well, about? What have you here, been? Here's enjoying? another big upgrade they made. We finally have full body avatars in No Man's Sky. We used to just have the hands, oh. if you recall. So now you can yeah. look down, see your body, and even cooler now that when you go into camera mode, you'll see yourself to take those shots, which is awesome, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and I. Maybe it's a placebo effect, maybe it's not, but I have a partner that we play with all the time and we swear the graphics are getting better and better as time goes on. I swear they're just adding stuff in regularly and it seems to be running smoother. I think they've got new server systems or something. It does seem Mm. to be running smoother. They've made some changes. I don't know what those changes are. So, yeah. So do you always play it in VR or do you mostly play it on always in VR? Nice. nice wow yeah i was gonna nice. ask how's that like i always found the only chunky thing about that game like once once it released on pc with the big update and the vr patch it was pretty damn good like in that first mm-hmm. month and then since then it's been great um very easy to hop into i i, I played afar on a quest in a hotel room so i love no man's sky um but like the initial star introduction when you see the star systems coming at you the various worlds and stuff that used to be pretty jittery do you know is it still like that or? um I think it's probably about the same on the initial star ride, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The loading yeah. screen, yeah. Mm. But yeah, and and because you play you play in, in VR, do you always play seated or standing? Uh, if I'm in my ship, I'm seated, and if I'm out of my ship, I'm walking around my room space for nice. sure. Wow. That's and that's awesome. a big thing for me, right? You know, I play around with present the idea of presence a lot. I'm a huge fan of you know reach out and and, and touch those objects in front of you you know really increase that immersion i'm all about that so i'm walking whenever i can and oh, uh, and like you. i mentioned earlier in the show 
that you got to get this patch. In fact, uh, let me it, it's um, let me pull it up here. There's a patch out that allows for the HUD because that's been, always been one of the problems is you're just inundated with so much information in your face. That was always an irritant to me. And I used to turn off the HUD, but then you've got your yeah. own set of problems if you do that. Uh, yeah, you can't. You can't live without it. You have to be toggling back and forth. And please tell me, I, I am listening open ears to this, Chris, because this is what I've wanted. So here's the deal. So um, when you, when this minimizes the hub, it doesn't completely remove it. It minimizes it. So there is a balance there, which I would still prefer like nothing, but it does give you some valuable information. What it forces you to do in your brain, though, is pay more attention. So you're paying attention to the environment. You're paying attention to that voice when it says you're running low on oxygen. You're looking for those signs that you might be in a bad spot. It just makes you so much more aware. It's like I compare it to, you know, you talk to a lot of, of younger generation today, they don't even know where north, south, east, and west is. Why? Because they're looking at their Google phone, they're reliant upon this for all the information, you kind of lose your ability to spatially coordinate. For me, yeah. um, it what it causes me to do is like, I can identify immediately now where, oh, it's a new rock or it's a new plant, and I want to pay more attention to that. Whereas in the past, you just let that interface do it all for you. I, to, yeah. to its detriment, it's so it's much pretty heavy that way. way. And you, you lose that you lose that immersion of actually stepping into the game and, and, and enjoying that experience. Do you have a name I for this mod? Way. What's this thing called? Do you know? Yeah, uh, let me I've got let him look it up. Rowdy, I quickly say uh, I have to mention though, like although I don't like HUD uh, in a game like No Man's Sky because you have like a helmet and that kind of stuff, mm. it does make more sense for me to yeah. to have it there rather than. When you're playing, you know, the new James Bond VR game or something like that, mm. uh, it, it, it is something about like you know when you have a helmet on and you integrate it nicely, much like the Iron Man VR experience is done as well. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of HUD there, it kind of makes sense for their HUD to be there because it's like this space simulator or this uh, this Iron Man VR experience. I, I mind it less than mm. yeah. yeah. So so one so, one beautiful story that I just remember is Mike. <laughs> And 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 uh, Zim meeting each oh, other no. for the very first time in No Man's Sky. <laughs> That's like you know, like No Man's Sky is a huge <laughs> game. You know, like imagine, you know, you are looking for your friend in this ginormous universe that is endless. And then finally, after let's say uh, five years, you finally found each other. You know, after a radio contact, like, oh, where are you? I'm here. And it's like, oh, I don't know. And so, tell me more. Please, please remember so, so, me of this. So, so yeah, Nathie set it up perfectly. Like we, we took ages mm. to find each other. And then we went to find each other and we said high five. And then he punched me in the head and I died. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to respawn. And then we had to find each other again. It was chaos. But like it's got such a steep learning curve, that game. I remember like trying to learn oh, on stream yeah. for the first time. It was very, very challenging. People but people um, at you. <laughs> yeah, like, they were like, can you not read instructions? Can you not just follow simple instructions? I'm like, it is just so overwhelming at first, but um, was, I did get there in the end. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot to it. Anyway, uh, Chris, did you have a name? Yeah, it's the Clean HUD and Room Scale VR mod, which, again, that allows you to cruise around in full room scale. You didn't used to be able to do that. And the uh, creator of that is High Notes. Thank you. That's on, well, the, thank ne you. on the Nexus, of High course. Notes. Thank, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, High Notes, for, for doing that. And thank you uh, to Hello Games for keep, you know, backing the experience that they first launched to a lot of, you know, public trauma. And, and they've just kept putting their heart and soul into it. Yeah. Cross-platform, yeah. true cross-platform yeah. multiplayer. 
Not easy. Not easy. Not very many games do it. Uh, one other game that's had a beautiful update uh, is Boneworks. And mm -hmm. Boneworks has, uh, I think the most iconic thing about this zombie warehouse update uh, has to be the board gun. So it's a it's a gun that like a um, like those those uh, those tape accessories that you have like at Christmas where they like stick the tape down you know streak the masking tape across the box. You do this and you create two by fours uh, to help uh, progress around this zombie warehouse level, fight off zombies by boarding up windows, and even stick you know two by fours through zombies, killing them in the process. So if you're one of the, uh, you know, physics nuts who really enjoys, you know, Boneworks, the janky physics simulator, uh, this is a, an amazing spectacle, and I think you do have to check this one out. Cool. This is a cool update. Um, again, that that is something that that has is landing on the on the 18th of the month, so not just out yet. This is a Boneworks update 1.5. As always, coupled with an amazing promo video mm -hmm. to show us, you know, what it can do. Again, Brandon JLA and cool. the, the amazing work that they do is just. I mean, there's a there's a zombie in a barrel rolling down some planks. I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't pay money for this. You so, know what I mean? <laughs> can I can I can I say one thing about Boneworks? Like, I really really hope that they are. Like, they have to open the workshop for this game. Yeah, mm. yeah. very quickly. Look at what what's going on with Half Life, Alex. That's all I have to say. Uh, but it's important, very important. Please do. People will forget yep. about Boneworks the if they don't. Is almost almost yeah. a different game now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think people will forget about Boneworks if they if they don't do that. If they don't. Yeah, I I, I have to say it was my immediate reaction to seeing this trailer and this update was was exactly that. It's. Look at the success and the fervor around Half-Life Alex and taking Nathie's point. If if they don't, uh, all you've got is vanilla boneworks to an extent, you know? I mean they're adding mm -hmm. stuff. It's a bit like um H3VR. H3VR has continued to add stuff in and it does bring it to the top of the nose posts, uh, news posts, but the viral spread that you get with new stuff that wasn't from the initial creator is important. Yeah. But I, I just wonder, but you know, I, I do think that, that H3VR is not really the game that lends itself to do something like that because it's so catered um, to that that I think it's very hard to get other people making content for that. I don't know. I mean, other people can would... make content to it, but I think it would lose a little bit of the game. Hmm. Yeah, but well. I appreciate what Zim's saying about Boneworks. You know, having workshop support would yeah. would definitely boost it for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's. But anyway, look, I'm happy what's out. There you go. Yeah. Boneworks update 1.5, 18th. Uh, just look out for that if you're into it. And the one thing I would say, because Rowdy used to pick on Boneworks for the hand physics and that, in update 1.4, which just came out recently, um, they improved punching, climbing, swinging, and added a few music nice. tracks. So I once and I, I have everything set up, I'll give it another yeah. shot. You should, you should. And I actually think this is one of those growers that in a year's time, it's going to be such a polished experience. It's going to be mm. so different to what we had in you know, November, December. Um, last couple of things, and I'll just run a little uh, a little run of uh, Astrobot in case some of you forgot who Astrobot was. Um, three deals that I think are important for you to see and a caveat. So first off, okay, PlayStation players, I don't have any new games for you, but I did notice on the US store, not the EU store, uh, Let's Create Pottery VR has launched on PSVR for 20 bucks. I would personally say stay away from that. It's quite un underwhelming in terms of its VR mechanics. Feels a lot like a, a flat game. Uh, I know I did a bit of uh, pumping hot air into that one, so I just wanted a caveat to that. Astrobot, however, is on sale, and and this is where the injustice really comes from. On the UK store, this is off. This is uh, only 13 pounds. 
in the U.S. store, it's only ten dollars, which oh, I think what? is fantastic. What? That's like $10. the price of a yeah, it's like the Bro. price of a sandwich in the states Bro. these days. So wow. Astrobot is one of those games, nice. it, you know, like Super Mario. You just it, it's a character you can't but love uh, is is my opinion, and I, I tend to like serious games and stuff like that. But Astrobot, you get smitten with it with the control schemes. I've never seen the controller, and I'm I'm including stasis. Uh, or sorry, static in this comment. I've never seen the PSVR DualShock controller used so well in a VR game. I think that is the best ex example of it. Um, the last thing I'll say, which Micah actually mentioned as well at the start, uh, we've got a pairing on Oculus Home between O-Shape and Synth Riders, and for £21, you can get both games, which I think mm -hmm. is a pretty good deal. Um, so I don't want people to miss out on that, particularly if you're stuck at home and stuck in an apartment mm -hmm. with no sun or whatever. I know of examples of friends who are in that spot, and you've been there for months. You might be itching for a bit of exercise. It's, so I, I still, as I said before, like I still think that the marketing thing they did here is genius because usually games are competition for each other. So it's like, yeah, but I'm not gonna promote my uh, my neighbor. You know, I like what you're doing with your VR stuff, but that's yeah. it. But this is, uh, yeah, this is very cool. This is very cool. I think, as you say, it's really smart. I haven't it seen is it. Very smart. More players in the VR space do that. That's a good idea to, to double up. So there you go. That's our um, releases, updates, and deals for the week. Oh, nice. Back to you, nice. Mike. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm just going to repeat the show times again. If you've got any questions in the chat for any of us or for Chris, now is the time. Uh, we've got a couple of questions already about No Man's Sky, uh, but I'll go over the show times again and maybe you can have a little read of those. So just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and on Twitch. And don't forget, you can also catch the show live in VR using big screen TV, which is totally, totally awesome. The show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. And you can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and on Spotify. And Nathie always reminds me to, to tell you all, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the show on YouTube. We really, really appreciate it. So we've got a couple of questions. Uh, two questions about No Man's Sky. Has it got flight stick support and how easy is it to pair up with friends? Uh, that's a good question. Flight I think flight stick support is a no, but there are some really ingenious, and I said ProTube before. Yep. Uh, there's a ProTube. Oh, yeah. uh, so you can go to ProTubeVR.com and they have this really interesting sticky pad yep. with a cup holder for like your Rift controller. And Mike's done the proper testing. He has a great video on it. He shows the durability of this thing. It's actually way beyond what I, what I would have stress tested it on. He's like yanking it back and forth. I mean, he must have some practice or something. Uh, and and, and it's just like, I would recommend that to any uh, No Man's Sky player. Chris, do you know of any other support that way? I don't know any other support that way, but I will say if you're an index user, man, those controllers go right on your knees and you can use that. It feels pretty good. Yeah, yeah. you should check out the uh, the ProTube uh, thing. It's called the ProTAS. Uh, and it's like a little um, flight stick, mm. basically, that your, your controller magnetically slots onto, oh, and it actually cool. works really well. Very, very cool. Protest from the ProTube website. Yeah. Uh, so good question. Uh, for Chris, uh, are there any plans to bring Engage to the official Quest store or even uh, Quest key distribution? So here's what I can say about that. Um, as you probably know, um, uh, Oculus has done a pretty good job lately of making it more inclusive for collaboration programs. They've actually stated that. And you see a couple that are slated uh, to be on the store this summer. Um, I will say that makes it very optimistic for all of us in this boat, for all collaboration pro platforms. So stay tuned. Mm 
Okay. Nice. Thank nice. you. And uh, the last question is: You guys planning a uh, meetup, a virtual meetup this year at some point? Um, I think uh, we probably will. Um, you know, we've done it before. Um, there's no reason why we wouldn't do it again. It was really fun last was time. Really fun. So just no, no real life meetup this year, probably. Mm. Oh, yeah, no real that, life meetup. Yeah, that's the most gutting part of this. I mean, I, I miss hanging out with Chris down the pub, like in uh, paper planes. Yeah. And, like not being able to do yeah. that this year, it, honestly, is a hurts. big wind out of my sails. Yeah, yeah. at least you were able to come along to us here, and you know we had kind of a party, but need to catch some drinks at some <laughs> point for sure, Chris. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if we do have a virtual event or meet up, we'll of course let everyone know, uh, and we'll share it all on our social medias and discords as well, so everyone yeah. can join in the fun. Uh, it'd be cool to do that again. Definitely. We really enjoyed the first time. So thank you very much for that. So uh, I just want to say thanks again for Chris for joining us uh, on this week's show. It's a real uh, pleasure to have you on here and yes. talking about VR immersive education and Engage. It's really fascinating. Really looking forward to seeing what happens in the future with that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Have a great week in VR, everyone. Uh, keep safe. Enjoy yourselves. Look after each other. Uh, take care. We'll be back next week with all the uh, the juicy details.